0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap uh, Lockdown Edition once again. This time I am joined by Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. And Ian Hank. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just getting ahead of him. Oh, man. No, no, no. Ian, you're delightful on the <laughs> show. Uh, but before we get started, <laughs> working from home constantly, you know, losing all track of time, it's been weird. And so I, I feel like it's kind of been the banter of the last couple of frame traps, but it also just feels like the thing that we're stuck in. Uh, so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on how working from home has been and how it how it's affected your work, really. Or if it hasn't been that bad. I don't know.
1: Um. Yeah, I don't feel it, it's a weird in a way because, like, I don't feel like it's been necessarily super different in terms of work. Uh, I I think the, the strange thing is that, like trying to, you know, make those like appointments with people to like get together over Zoom calls just to like hang out, hmm. like finding times for that to happen. Um, whereas otherwise, I because I think with Easy X and everything, when we started, like it was just like a constant like, you know, full throttle, like work, 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 work. So I'm not even like I don't have time to notice what it's like to work from home right now because I'm just working, right? Um, and so, and then I, you know, I've also, you know, had to, yeah, I've been doing this uh, Turbo don't skip, and that was a lot more than I thought it would be. And so then it's like, okay, now my body is hurting because I have not gone outside and taken walks for a couple of days, and so this is a problem. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's a, it's kind of strange, um, but it's more. Yeah, it's sort of more of that lack of the social life than how it's affecting my work habits as much. Sure.
2: Ben, I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> every minute? Yeah. Nice. Turn turns out everything in life is just stuff that gets in the way of hanging out at my house and doing what I wanna do. Yeah. So I'm enjoy <laughs> I'm enjoying myself. Uh it's yeah, it's good. i I've, I've been working playing games making music just hanging out i got a roommate so i'm not going lonely crazy sure. which i would be doing if i were alone for sure absolutely uh but yeah saving the world by staying inside deal love it
0: i that's nice to hear because you you know i think it's i think that's a very different perspective uh for me i think it's nice because <clears throat> initially when this whole thing happened, I think there was a lot of like, well, how are we going to do this exactly? Like, what is this going to look like? What is this going to sound like? What are we going to do for group streams? And now I think we're at a point where we're, we've, we've kind of figured that out. And so that has given me some comfort. Um, but I think the other thing that I'm excited about, and I hope this doesn't jinx it, is like, it's just been kind of big game after big game after big game. And not that there isn't still a lot to, to play, but, you know, Blood, you and I were just talking about this. Like, I have kind of these ideas, these more creative experimental ideas, and it's like, I actually feel like we might have some time to get those done. And because we're right. working from home, um, you know, they just cut down on, like, traffic time, like you were saying, Ian, like, things that get in the way of other things. And so it's like, I, I'm feeling optimistic that we'll actually be able to throw some of that stuff out there.
1: Yeah, and that's a funny thing, too, to, like, think about. Like, not only taking yourself for a walk, but, like, oh, your car should run, like, half an hour every week. You know, okay. you actually need to find a time to take make sure you're taking a drive now and then. Whoops. So, yeah, that's, that's
0: a good tip. I don't think I've I uh, drove my I've car. I've driven once in the last month. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about the same for me, Ian. For sure.
2: I haven't left the house in days.
0: Yeah, I haven't left I the think. house in, like... I mean, outside of walking around my apartment complex, like a month, maybe I don't know.
1: I, I it don't is know. easy to lose track of time, and in, in, in some ways, but not in other ways, it's weird because Animal Crossing, with its you know crazy rigid schedule, Real has high, me on this yeah. routine of like where now I'm like waking up, you know, at like seven forty-five, eight o'clock every morning, so I can get two hours of Animal Crossing in before I start my day,
0: yeah, <laughs> my work day. It's it's been kind of a bummer sometimes with Animal Crossing in my schedule where I won't really have time to play Animal Crossing until it's like 11 p.m. and it's like oh everything is closed like there's still right some that was my nice first stuff two weeks. there's still some nice stuff and I I do kind of appreciate the nighttime and the the low keyness of it but then there are now especially as time has gone on there have been more times where I'm, I'm frustrated with it than I think I was at the beginning uh, but video games man i think kind of the thing that i want to start to show off with uh because it just came out today the friday that we're recording this um and blood you and i did an entire playthrough of it along with brad and that's the trials of mana remake yeah um and i know you're going to be covering that for review i'm just going to be playing it for fun when i can um and i finished the demo for it a day or two ago which was actually really long it was like four hours long <laughs> or something like that i spent a lot of time where it. does it
1: end at like in terms of locations i guess right so you get
0: the three characters that you pick uh which is actually really nice um and then you go into the cave and they're talking about the benevidons and you know that like giant crab like creature that you fight that first boss Got fight it. you do that and then it doesn't end too long after that
1: Got it. So, like, I'm just right before that point. So, like, I'm not even through the demo content yet. That's a long demo.
0: Yeah, it is a long demo. But I think it, it was long enough to kind of get an impression of the direction that they're taking with Trials of Mana. And I for think sure. that's kind of the where I want to start this conversation is how are you feeling about what they decided to do with this game?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's this weird back and forth for me in terms of production of it because i have this sense of oh it's pretty cool to like see this world you know like you know what kyle will talk about you know like being able to move the right analog stick right like i can see this world like fleshed out in 3d and, and and kind of explore these spaces in a way that makes a little bit more sense uh because in the original game the castles in particular were just entirely confusing like i i just was always getting lost is like, have I been in that room or not? Or this room looks a lot like the last room. And now like, there's not as many like screen transitions. So spaces feel a lot more connected. Uh, and, you, but and, you state, and you have a mini map. Yeah, and you have mini maps. Yeah. And you can even see like the characters who are, you can talk to on the mini map. They're, they're little green dots uh, because you can't talk to every single person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other thing about it that's weird is, despite being a step up from the Secret of Mana remake, which was like kind of on like a phone game level almost, yeah, it's still really budget. <laughs> like I look at some of these textures and just like, whoa! Like you guys, did you make this? like thinking that no one would ever like dock their switch like how oh you're playing on
0: switch okay see i'm playing it no i'm playing it on ps4 but it
1: looks like they were just trying to like oh you know it won't matter people won't see this i'm like no i'm look i'm like (laughs) looking at this on a monitor
0: i actually really like um how they kind of interpreted the original art styles when it comes down to the characters like i think the character models themselves especially for the people that you can play as look really really good but it the roughness that you're talking about comes through, especially for me in the animations sometimes. Yeah, um, and just or
1: animations won't match like right. voice work.
0: Right, that there there is kind of a disparity between like the animations that are going down and the scenes that are happening, or like just awkward transitions from one animation into another during a cutscene for sure.
1: Uh, and the cutscene with Reese's opening and her brother. Is so weird <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> because ian so basically what happens is so like this princess who is like the captain of the amazon guard you know oh. she has this little brother who for whatever reason has like the key to like their kingdom's defenses is a giant
0: idiot <laughs> <laughs> and
1: he gets tricked by a spy into like lowering the defenses on the city and then she finds him and she's like, all right, we got to go and like warn father. And she just starts running with this little boy behind her and doesn't realize that he's been grabbed by the bad guys until she's like staircases away. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, where are you? And like, he got grabbed. What do you mean? You should pay attention. You should have you picked expect. him up or something. Yeah. So it's just a really strange I feel like they could have like directed that scene a little bit better even if it is close to how the original but we we took a different character arc, so I don't know how that scene actually played out in the original game.
0: I feel like the the voice work is kind of all over the place. Uh, you talked mm-hmm. about budget and <laughs> there are definitely times where it's like this is kind of endearingly cheesy and bad and then there are times where it's like, no, this is just kind of bad. <laughs> Um, I do really like blood kind of exploring towns now, uh, -hmm. more so than I did in the original where I felt like a lot of our time in towns when we were doing that stream was very like, we need to go here. We need to restock on items. You know, it was always very purposeful, but now I'm kind of soaking it a little bit more because there's a lot to find. Like you can run around and it's using, you know, the fact that it's now this 3d game and like jump to places and pick up items or you know, find stuff in little nooks and crannies here and there. And so that part it, I'm really enjoying. It's one of my favorite parts of the remake so far. Yeah, one of
1: the things I liked was um, Astoria, uh, the town that gets attacked by the Beastmen. And you you go through there and you talk to everybody and, and you go into houses and then you come back and, like, they've just really, like, ripped it all apart. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's just lots of rubble. And what's kind of crazy is, that, like, even mm-hmm. though it's, like, you've gone through and like found all these items in the town the first time around, because it's been ransacked, now there's just like more loot everywhere that wasn't there the first time around because these barrels have been broken open and houses have been torn apart. Uh, and so I thought that was a neat little detail. Um, the and, and I totally noticed what you were talking about, like being able to jump on buildings and things. The One of the funny things about jumping to me though, is jumping and interact on the same button Mm. Is a problem.
0: Interesting. I don't I, think I had that I issue. I keep like
1: walking up to people and then jumping because the like dialogue box hasn't popped up yet. So I just feel like gotcha. it's Like, <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um And then so far at least, because I'm non-normal and the game, the original game was hard.
0: Well, yeah.
1: And And normal right now is feeling easy. And there's like two levels below normal.
0: But I've been playing hard and it's way too easy. Like, you you go into a fight and you, d- you don't have to think about anything. Like, you just kind of hit square until they're dead. And I I think they're doing... I actually want to dig into the combat because I think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. But in terms of mm-hmm. difficulty, I definitely wish it was pushing back a little bit more because it'll do nice things. Like, I think the, the combat is very readable. Like, I like how enemy health bars are displayed. I like kind of the chunkiness when you're hitting things and you're seeing the chunks go down. I like sort of the MMO, like AOE signifiers that you see on the ground. Um, All that stuff is good. It actually feels really good to control uh, in a way that the Secret of Mana remake did not. Um, I think they've kind of interpreted that classic Mana style in a more modern way, um, where it's a little bit faster and a little bit snappier, but they're trying to keep some of the principles of the amount of style of like charging up certain attacks, uh, by holding down triangle or, um, building up meter for big attacks. That's still really fun. Uh, but everything just kind of falls over so far. Like even the boss fight, I felt like when we were streaming it, it was more intense and interesting than it was here where I just kind of got to the boss unloaded my biggest attacks and that was it like it was not a remarkable thing right and in any in any way and but maybe you know because even during our initial playthrough it did get more difficult there were definitely spikes um yeah and so i wonder we definitely
1: wiped in some spots and like oh hello
0: i do wonder if that'll happen later on yeah
2: i feel like rpgs of that era did the difficulty ramp in a really interesting way where it was like super easy and then just like boom
0: really yeah. hard, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Totally.
1: Yeah. But with that, you know, you were talking about items and there's just kinda like just items everywhere. Like I've yeah. gotten so many like cup of wishes and chocolates and candies and stuff.
0: But a really I like and I think is a good change just the being able to shortcut that stuff, right? So it's like I can yeah. just shortcut a candy or a chocolate bar or a cup of wishes. Um and then having your you know, your big meter abilities being on, on a shortcut as well. It it just makes everything feel very snappy. But yeah, there are a lot of items, you're not wrong about that. Um the items. It's just funny since- to me
1: to like be loaded up with like twenty candies and like take eight damage from a fight and then there's a green jar that fills my health. And I'm like yeah. I I don't I don't need any of these candies. Am I ever actually gonna use candies because I have so many chocolate bars already, you know?
0: Well not only that, um you you get a ton of candies, like you're saying, and then you get chocolate bars pretty quickly, and then you have the green things for your health. But after the first boss, you just get a healing spell. <laughs> I mean, it. I think it depends on the characters that you choose. Yeah,
1: it, it definitely does.
0: But in my situation, um, since I have the, the little cleric with me, I just have a healing spell, and on top of all the other things that we mentioned, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need candies really at all. Um, but it's hard blood in a way where, like, sometimes I enjoy going back to Dragon Quest just because of the simplicity of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes stripping everything down to the basics is really satisfying. Um, And I'm kind of feeling that with Trials of Mana, where I do think sometimes I wish the combat was more interesting, and I definitely think that's a fair criticism, but I'm also just kind of having fun, having a very basic action combat system that's like responsive enough, you know, it's just kind of like a fun game to put on and go explore, you know, and not yeah. really think too much, um, which isn't a great selling point for the game. But I, I think that style of gameplay can be nice, depending on what you're looking for. Sure.
1: Well, and, and I didn't take Cup
0: of Wishes do.
1: Oh, that's that's like a phoenix down. Oh, OK,
2: I like that name.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Ian, there's um, there's certain things. About, I don't know how familiar you are with mana. I played
2: uh, Legend of Mana, the first one. Uh, Uh, That would have
1: been like four or five.
2: Oh, God. Well, I played one of them like 100,000 years ago.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I think there's just certain things that you specifically would appreciate. Like when you go into an inn, (laughs) the the innkeeper is always dancing. And it's just like, (laughs) hey, what's up? Uh, So that kind of like quirkiness and charm, I think you would like. That sounds cool.
1: Um, yeah one thing that is interesting is how they've changed the leveling system yeah because mm-hmm. they've separated your stats from like these training points and so it's it's a little weird for me like trying to get a grasp on like how one like how the training points affect your stats necessarily because you still put points into like the same five buckets that you did in the original game but now the stats like it seems like there's like twice as many stats as there were before. Uh, but what's interesting yeah. to me, though, is the the ability system that goes into that. So now, like, when you raise strength uh, with Duran, uh, who's my my lead character, if you get p- two points into strength, then you unlock this counter ability. Um, so... Uh, and it's not, like... It's not actually, like... It's weird because it's called an ability, but it's it's all... So far what I've gotten is all passive. So it's just like this like kind of thing that you like equip into a slot and then he'll... Um, I think he'll do more damage after he's taken damage for a certain amount of time or something like that.
0: Yeah, I actually really think that that was a super smart thing that they've done with the points um, because in the original Trials of Mana, once you leveled up, you kind of had to do it right then and there and you didn't necessarily know how the points that you were putting in would directly translate. Like, it wasn't always clear. It was a very simple, like, here are stats, dump points into them. Whereas now, again, talking about that readability, you can save points, and you always see what you're going to get. So it's like, hey, if you dump six points into strength, this is what you're going to get at six points. And they've thrown in some new wrinkles as well. So, like, when you get... um like a a spirit, like defeating that first boss and getting the light spirit. That goes into your stats as well. So it's like, if you want the healing spell, we're going to put that in this category and you're going to need to put training points into it. But it's always, again, very obvious. Like, I know what I'm going to get when I put points into it. Um, And another thing that they did is they have linked abilities now, blood, where I believe the way that it works is if you unlock it, if you unlock a passive ability, if it's a linked ability, other people can equip it, which yeah. is also interesting.
1: Yeah, and I got the one of those that I got was just because I met the the priest, and so they give you one of those those linked abilities mm. there, and so then only one person can equip it, but anybody can equip that ability. Yes, and then they get like a health butt.
0: Yeah,
2: and so I th- does Oprah- the. Does the progress from the demo that you played carry over into the real game? And it
0: does. And I, I, Uh, okay, dude, I always get really, really excited when they do that because it's like I just—it's a nightmare when they don't. (laughs) Well, like because it sucks when they don't. That's something I'm really impressed about with Square Enix. I feel like they're handling. I think, I think they're trying to take mana more seriously, which I really like. Because, and I almost want to make a video about this. Like, I think the world needs more mana i think there's it's a really fascinating series and so it's nice to see them give it the attention like blood i agree with what you were saying you can definitely hear the budget but i think trials of mana the remake is much more on the right track than the secret of Mana remake was where i feel like they're doing a better job of pushing the series ahead while also retaining the charm but them doing things like giving you this really generous demo completely for free, having the progress carry over, and then even fun things like if you go to the website, you can just take a personality quiz and it'll be like, oh, this is the character that you are. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Just super fun things like that. I it's, it's nice to see them take this seriously. And it seems to be reviewing fairly well um, mm-hmm. based on what I saw. And so I, I hope... More people will give it a chance, and that we see more Mana projects down the line.
1: Yeah, I think with the presentation, the the music uh, remixes or not really remake remixes, they've re- redone the songs. Uh, one thing that's cool is that you can swap yep. between the original and the new new version. And it was funny because there was one song that was like, "Oh, this doesn't feel like this instrument really captures the same vibe," but then like I went back and forth, and like. Oh, you know what no it does like it does. It like you know i just needed to listen to them a couple of times back and forth to like really ca- catch what they were doing with it mm-hmm. uh, i like
2: when remakes do that let you ch- go back and forth yeah like the secret of metal
0: remake actually let you do that as well
2: which was nice just with the music or with the graphics just with the too? music yeah
1: yeah yeah, because the graphics you can't um, because it's the whole 3D thing versus, you know, 2D, 2D yeah, top-down yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. The one thing that was weird is that town, um, the yeah, Wendell, right before the cathedral. When I went in there, like, they took the other character away from me. And they're just like, she's just standing in town somewhere. And I'm like, what, was there a technical reason that you... Did that or what? because like, it's strange because I had any other place in the game where my party like sp- just split off like that for no particular reason, mm. and they they didn't have like a little cutscene or anything to like have them separated. It's just like you you walk out of the cave and all of a sudden there's just one of you and you're like where <laughs> where's my other party member? And then I just kind of like okay well it sucks that they're not having the party members follow you everywhere like they do in the original game. And I walk around town, and she's like, she's standing there looking at a lake. What?
0: (laughs) It's a very cool lake. That's actually something, one of my annoyances with Final Fantasy VII Remake is it was hard to know when they were going to take certain party members away from you. And so you would, like, spend all this time perfecting your material loadout for somebody, and then they would get removed from the party. And because there's not loadouts in the game, you couldn't just... Easily transfer it to somebody else, so you'd be like, okay, well, now I'm gonna go back to the menu and then uh, reset it up. Not, yeah. not like a huge criticism, but just a minor. But it. quality
1: of life improvement. You want to talk about quality of life, man? It seems so matter of fact and easy now, but the shops, like equipping new armor and <laughs> oh, sure,
2: sure, 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 because yeah, it was yeah, yeah.
1: such a pain yes. in the original. Because like you walk up to the counter. And, and, and you look through the items and you wouldn't be able to tell whether most of the items were better or not because that wasn't the person you walked up to the counter with. Oh, no. <laughs> so you would have to like walk up to the counter with each individual person, look through and, like, OK, that's the better equipment and then buy it all and then like distribute it to those people in the menu <laughs> Equip things and then go back. Oh, and then trade items back to a single person to sell them. And now it's just like, okay, buy everything. Do you want to equip this? Yes. Sell the other thing all before like leaving the shop menu. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> Ian, lovely Ian, lovely Hi. Ian Hink. Uh. <laughs> I feel like you haven't gotten much of a chance to share your uh, opinions on Final Fantasy 7 remake whereas several other allies myself included have had a, a lot of chance to talk about it. And so I actually want to give you <laughs> yeah. an opportunity to just kind of say whatever you want because I don't think you're as attached to the original as maybe some of the some of the rest of us are. Um I definitely loved Final
2: Fantasy 7. Okay. When it came okay. out um yeah, I was all about it. I was very excited for this. Obviously, not as excited, maybe as some of you guys. But like, yeah, I I, I have always held Final Fantasy Seven in incredibly high esteem. I did not know that.
1: Uh, wow.
2: But I, I mean, I also have always thought like Final Fantasy Seven is bonkers as
0: hell. Yes, too. <laughs> um, it is. It is bonkers you know, it as is. hell. Yeah, so that story is
2: off the chain weird it's
0: funny because the story does get bonkers absolutely but i think other later square enix properties has have made it seem less bonkers to me now in comparison where it's like yes it's bonkers but it's not like as bonkers as like (laughs) the 13 the 13 trilogy right and like what happened across those three games i guess if you get the compilation in there then it does definitely well, reach F- that.
2: Final Fantasy VII is, like, it is a weird story, but it had, like, big emphasis on had. It had an interior cohesion hmm. that, like, it was one thing that, that you know, kind of came together. If I'm, you know, it's been 100 years since I played right. it, but, like, you know, there was, like, the big weird section where the story went, like, whoa, and you're, like, oh! yeah um this one right out of the gate they're just like yeah hey it's weird mm-hmm. <laughs> like things are gonna get weird which is probably good tonally um yeah i'm gonna be on a a second spoiler mode um, where i can talk more about spoilery stuff but um yeah you said you wanted to hear my impression of it mm-hmm. uh without Without getting into any spoiler stuff, I think it was good. Oh, so you finished
0: it? I finished okay. it,
2: yeah, a couple of nights ago. I uh, was... I'm kind of torn on this game, honestly. It's weird because my favorite stuff was always the post-Midgar Midgar stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, there are obviously a few moments in Midgar that I loved, but, I mean, in the OG game, Midgar is what, like five to eight hours something like that yeah
0: I uh it's funny because I even I booted up just final fact the og final Fantasy 7 on PS4 the other night just just because remake was so fresh in my mind I was like I just want to go back and I just want to see yeah. and it moves so fast like you're just like that even just the initial reactor sequence you're like this took so much less time than it did in the remake which makes sense uh but Yeah, it is. There are definitely moments in the remake where your knowledge of the original and how fast things are moving. I think it's kind of hard to reconcile that sometimes. It's a weird, uh, it's weird. Yes, I agree. It's
2: also strange, though, because the game almost requires you to have previous knowledge of the original Final Fantasy VII for the game to make sense. Especially the things that they're changing and doing and addressing to make sense. Yes,
1: Yeah, I've heard
0: that. Yeah, it's interesting because I've like, heard I've, I've well not heard. I've read several perspectives online and there are definitely people out there who've never played Final Fantasy 7 who are like, oh, I loved it. And that was great. And like the things that I didn't understand didn't seem like that big of a deal. But it's hard, I think, when you do know Final Fantasy 7 because they some of the things are a super huge deal and like yes it may not come across that way to a new player and so yeah there there is there there are definitely moments where it's like wait why are you bringing this up now like why are you showing this character now for sure yeah yeah for reason well
2: we're skirting the edge of what i think is what i'm comfortable with not spoiling so like diverging kind of back away from that conversation slightly but like i i appreciate the things that they changed and why they did it um the thing i kind of the game definitely has too much filler mm. mm-hmm. like i think that there are there were whole chapters of this game where i like I would find myself looking at my phone without even realizing I had stopped playing Mm. like that almost never happens for me Mm. Um, where I would suddenly just be on Instagram and I'm like, Oh, I thought I was playing Final Fantasy. Like I just like got zoned out of it. Um,
0: There are like four chapters that are just not good. I think Uh, it especially hurts because there are some chapters that I was playing And the new chapter thing would come up. And I'd be like, oh, I I guess I'm in a new chapter now. Like, that was really fast. (laughs) And then you'd have other chapters where it was like, I feel there's like three chapters worth of stuff in here. Right, right. Surely this is a new chapter. No? Yes, exactly. And so that that (laughs) sensation happened a couple of times. Um, And that... Yeah, I definitely think that the pacing is a little off. But it's hard because... There were certainly times I appreciated having um yeah. more room. Yeah. I, I I think, but then there were other times where I was like This just isn't that interesting. Like the the yeah. hand puzzle where you have oh, to like God. do the crane and pick up the so thing. And bad. It's like I don't know and that it's multiple times. Yeah.
2: Well, and the second one, it's like you know how you're supposed to solve it. You try to solve it in a faster way, and then the game is like try stacking them up over here. It's mm. like, yeah, just drop that mm-hmm. one and I'll stack that one, like obviously. But it's like, no, do it in the other order, which requires like resetting the whole puzzle and doing it over again and I was just like, this is bad design. Mm. Um there're a lot of weird little thing. I mean, like it's going to sound like I'm just whining about this game, but like I liked it, you know. But uh the PS4 is definitely showing its age. And hey, were you on a regular? Uh, regular. Okay. So I don't know how it is on a pro, but like, who boy. Like on a regular, it's a really funny thing where like, you know, the camera, you know, you're done with a cutscene. The camera pulls back to gameplay status or like game. You're like, you're going to play the game now angle and you just stand there and then you're like, okay. And you start pushing forward on the, the thumbstick and you're still just standing there. And, like, there was sometimes there was four or five seconds before you started ha- actually having control, you know? Sounds like a little thing, but it adds up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it's funny that they made the choice to expand on the Midgar section so ex- so much. And I assume that's because the next part of the game, if it's like the original, is so wide open that it's a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. But, like, they reused a lot of areas in this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, we're going through here again, like, a second, third time sometimes, Uh, which I just didn't expect. Right. But all of the nitpicks aside, and like the severe pacing issues aside, um, because I do think it's probably like 40% too long. Uh, which is weird because it's used to just be the first part of a really much longer game, you know, but, uh, the, the things I liked, I mean, obviously, obviously I like a certain chapter the most probably. Um, you're talking about Market, Yeah. Chapter nine. It's amazing.
1: It's It's pretty great.
2: Um, really good stuff in there. But, uh, Also, some like troubling stuff that like almost goes too far, but then yeah, Mm. but um, yeah, I don't know. It all in all, I think it was a lot of fun. Some gorgeous moments. Mm Uh, the character models are really cool. The music, bro, the music is, (laughs) yeah, really incredible. Though there, there's some ludonarrative dissonance stuff with like, um, it's just so funny to me that only important characters look like Numura characters and everyone else is just wearing a shirt or a <laughs> yeah. suit. Yeah. It is so funny to me. Yeah, there was it's actually was a problem in
0: 15 as well where like the style of the important characters was so different than like yeah. I just cuz and it's it also in this game it has like plot
2: implications too because like very early in the game the the reactor blows up mm-hmm. And everyone in the city is like, who did it? Who could it have been? As like these decked out mercenary types are just walking past like normal people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, well, obviously it was these guys. Like, come <laughs> on. Uh, like, they should have thrown in a couple of other guys with like a gun leg or like a gun arm, a gun leg, mm-hmm. you know, just to like take the heat off our boys, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like there might be like some kind of design philosophy to that, right? To where like, if there's an NPC that you should talk to, well, they stand out because everybody else just looks like gray and flat, you know, sort of like, uh, like in persona, right. Ben, Where like, you actually just have like a lot of those, like almost like paper cut out kind of people walking around.
0: Yeah. There's actually something that, that both persona five and Tokyo Mirage sessions do to great effect where they make a lot of like the filler characters that are just, meant to be there to populate the city, they, they make them actually, like, faceless. Um, and in Persona 5, that ends up fitting into the theme in a pretty cool way. And it feels, you know, just relevant uh, while also being practical, I think, from, like, a, yeah. a like asset standpoint. Um, but, yeah, Ian, uh, something I want to... How, how I kind of feel... As somebody who holds Final Fantasy Seven very near and dear i i really kind of yin and yanged where i i do i i think i could sit down and talk about like problems that i have with final fantasy 7 a lot but at the end of the day I, I think it's also one of the best things square has done or rather maybe a better way a less hyperbolic way of saying it is it's much better than i feared it would be um, yeah, where I think they made the characters relatable and interesting in a way that I was not expecting. They made them feel very grounded and human um, for a for this type of game, like more grounded and human, I think, than they were in the original. I think the dub and the localization were excellent uh, in a way that I super appreciate. I think mean, it's very easy to take it for granted, uh, but but yeah. super super good, and even with some of the pacing problems and some chapters that I didn't like as much. I think ultimately I enjoyed the combat so much that it really pulled me through a lot of those sections. Like I, I really think a lot of the combat is pretty remarkable and, and certainly not without criticism. Like I think there are some AI problems and some nitpicks yeah, well, that you can get into. Well, they're not even really nitpicks. They're just problems, but um
2: it's not even really AI. Like I think, Like, it took me 10, 15 hours of playing this game before I realized, like, stop trying to play this like an action RPG. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not. It's just a turn-based RPG where you're moving around, basically. Like, you have to play it like that, pretty much. You have to use the D-pad, switch people. Every time you use ATB, you switch. Like, that's just how you have to play it. And I was bashing my head against that and getting really annoyed for the first, like, 10 hours or something before i was like okay you can't just place place uh cloud like a souls game or something um the combat i found interesting because sometimes when it really gelled for me some of the boss fights i had a blast yes it was a lot of fun uh some just weird design decisions got on my nerves where like uh Sometimes you'd get into an encounter and like you said before, like you wouldn't have a wind materia or whatever mm-hmm. because wind sucks. Yeah. But it's like, oh, wind is the only thing that can get this guy mm-hmm. down from over there, but you can't change your materia in the fight. So like there was one one time I was fighting a ice based enemy and uh I was by myself and I didn't have a fire materia. So I just quit and reloaded. Oh, and you know, because yeah. I was just like, OK, yeah. I didn't real, like I didn't think this one through, you know, and it, it's sort of weird when you're doing story stuff and then you come up against gimmick seems hard, but a harsh word. But like you come up against a fight that has a mechanic that you didn't know about and weren't prepared for. So the first fight sometimes for me would feel like, haha, gotcha. You didn't know about the gimmick. Um, And then the second fight, I would just destroy the thing, you know, because I knew how to do it. And the frustration there for me is like, it's not like a puzzle because in a puzzle, you can adapt in the moment and fix it and solve it. Whereas this is just like, you got to die the first time because you didn't know about the thing. Um, Which, I mean, only happened a few times, but
0: yeah. Yeah, I actually think the combat was at its best when you didn't have to wrestle with the gimmick so much or there was a way around it. And it, it, there would be ground-based enemies where it would be like, okay, I don't necessarily have their weakness or know their weakness, but they get pressured if I destroy this thing or if like I counter to them at this moment or I wait for them to do this attack and then I do a follow-up. That, to me, was when the combat was at its most dynamic and interesting, where it was like, not yeah. it wasn't just hit thing with weakness. It was okay this this there are certain points where I need to attack this thing and I can kind of overcome it if I'm paying attention. I love that yeah. stuff. I think the combat was yeah. at its absolute worst. It just felt like it wasn't fully thought out with like aerial enemies where it's like okay, yeah. not only is this thing super annoying to chase down, but it's weak against like the most annoying spell to cast, which is arrow. Um, And it's like, I feel like you're kind of doing something here. Like, it's kind of fun playing as Tifa and, like, flying up into the air and punching them. But it doesn't feel like it works quite as well as you want. And you just kind of run into moments where it's like, I I can't really fight this thing in a way that feels super satisfying. And... Well, and... Go ahead.
2: Oh, sorry. No, you're good.
0: Go for it. Uh, And I was going to say, like, and back to the,
2: like, basically turn-based idea... The animation lock is so intense that if you've started a move, or you know, especially with like trying to get a spell off or something, or use your limit break or something, and if you get hit, you just lose it. You lose the MP, you lose the ATB. Yeah. Uh, I used I used my limit break one time on a boss that on the first time I fought that boss, I didn't know that it had to do a little cutscene at the, at the oh, like 60% yeah. HP part.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. So I lost, I wasted a oh, limit break.
2: Man. Yeah. And I was just like, that's BS. Like I should get my limit break back. Like yeah. it didn't do any damage. It just, I got a no symbol on their HP bar, you know? And I was just like, right. well, ugh. <laughs> And I don't think I ever had to fight anything more than twice. Like I beat everything on the second try. So, you know, so it wasn't like a huge time sink or anything, but it's just little things like that where it's like, a weird choice to to have a system of combat where like if you're if if you're locked into this animation, rolling or blocking you doesn't do anything. So yeah, I don't know. But again, it's not an action game, it's a turn-based RPG. Yeah. Basically. No, Ian, I actually
0: really <laughs> agree with you, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, like the even the the aerial enemy thing was is got like kind of annoying, but the only part where I actually turned to Abby and I was like, "I I think this is bad." Was what yeah. you were talking about, where it just felt like when the game was discarding its own rules in favor of a cutscene or a way to transition into a next phase. It's like there there Dude, has to be yeah. a better way to do this because yeah. it just feels so cheap when it's like I have eighty percent of the stagger gauge up and I I feel like I am trying to play by your rules and you know whatever mechanics this boss fight has engage with those mechanics. And then you're just like, okay, time to introduce new stuff. And it's like, but but wait, like, give me this. Yeah. You, I didn't know this was going to happen. Like, you just took away all that work I did. It well, feels cheap. And it,
2: ca- it contradicts itself because early boss fights that are similar to later game boss fights, you're like, use the Punisher mode, do the block, counterattack. That's a huge way to get stagger damage. And obviously, like, not every boss is, or enemy is going to work like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, there are a few fights later when it doesn't even do that at all because they do an attack that just is a mini cutscene. So it's like, you never get to do that hmm. move. And it's like, that's a move. That's an actual ability I have, except yeah. because that enemy move is a cutscene, I don't get to ever do it. It's it's very, it's stuff like that. That um, one I
0: actually don't know if I agree with as much because I kind of get a sense just in terms of design, because Punisher Mode is extremely powerful early on, where, and, yeah. and the game really rewards you from switching between the different styles and like having you block range attacks and magic attacks and then having you punish melee attacks. And it's like a very good basic system that works really well in the beginning. But I think what the game is trying to do is they definitely make Punisher Mode less effective. Like it's, there's still moments where it's very effective, they try to make it yeah. less effective later on once you get more characters and you get more material to play with. And so I think they're just trying to push you to try new things and more thoroughly explore, you know, the cast yeah. that you have.
2: And the the moments I was talking about is when you're solo again. Sure, uh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. So so I, had, I guess I had assumed that it would kind of go back to like, okay, this is like a raw fight, mm. uh, but that's not true. Um, yeah, I guess this game, something this game made me realize is... When it comes to combat i don't like i mean this is not a secret like i don't like systems like this really i don't i like to just fight Mm. like if i'm gonna i am going to i would prefer to just have control and fight than to do all the little things and like whatever um that's just my preference like obviously not one is isn't right or wrong and i also like realized something in in actiony games that's kind of a staple uh uncharted or this or near automata or whatever where it's like a lot of crazy visual stuff is happening but really all you're doing is holding forward or like pushing triangle every so often Mm -hmm. it doesn't it as isn't actually like like think mario jumping along things it's like you're doing every single one of those whereas there are crazy ass moments in this where i'm like okay cool platforming but you just hold forward and like watch uh, and I don't find that exciting in any way, uh, which was interesting. Like, this is a very clear example of several times where that happens where I'm just like, I'm just watching this. I'm not doing
0: anything. Oh, I definitely think the game has too many moments where it, like, slows you down and you're just holding forward and you're going across. But, like, yeah. when, it, when it automates platforming and stuff, I don't really mind as long as it's snappy. Because to me, it's not saying, like, we're trying to be a platform game. It's right, making right. A, it's not that kind right. of game, um, and I totally get where you're coming from. Ian. I, but <laughs> even though we've focused on the negative, um, I really do want to highlight the combat. My appreciation for it has only grown after doing post-game stuff because even near automata which I, which I personally think is one of the best games of the generation, falls into kind of this frustrating thing where sometimes it it feels like it would almost be better if it was just more committed to being a pure action game rather than trying to throw some Mm -hmm. light RPG stuff in it. And I find that games do struggle with that sometimes where the RPG things that they're trying to include feel like they're forcing it a little bit. Whereas Final Fantasy VII Remake is a much better hybrid and much stronger and more thought out than i think a lot of other games that you can compare it to and i think a good example of that is how they handle atb and how many interesting decisions you have to make with it um like some of barrett's moves where it's like this will consume all the atb to increase stagger or tifa being like oh man like what do i want to do with tifa like do i want to uh stack these things up and then use them how do i want to stack them and just all the different ways that you can use your meter is really fascinating and even summons where it's like well do i want to have a summon you know that takes this amount of bar do they all take two bars i think some take one and some take two some some are okay one, some are yeah two. i think that like fat chocobo is two right
2: shiva mm-hmm. and ifrit are one yeah
0: so again like what what's do I want to slot into there? How much ATB do I want it to take? Do I want to summon it now? Do, or like when I summon it, do I want to use summon abilities? And those are just some examples. And I, I love how effectively, you know, you said you just kind of wanted to fight and I totally understand that impulse. But what is so remarkable about the original Final Fantasy 7s system is how much flexibility you had uh, where depending on a material loadout, your entire playstyle could be different. And I feel like that's true yeah. here. I feel like they've incorporated that in this new action-based system in a really amazing way. But they've also given the characters more distinctness combat-wise than they had in the original game. Like, Tifa yeah. feels so much more like this martial artist. Uh, Barrett mm. feels yeah. so much more like this guy that's just going to go in there and fuck things up. Cloud feels much more like a very skilled swordsman, um, based on specific character-specific mechanics that they have, and I the, love that the, tri- the triangle
2: abilities. I really like mm-hmm. um, those; those make it feel really active and cool. And like switch it, when the combat system is at its best, and when I really loved it, yes, yeah, when you're switching back and forth really fast, doing the triangle abilities to charge ATB, getting an ability off, switching to someone else, rinse, repeat uh trying to strategize there and like trying to keep somebody alive at the edge of death's door and to get an to get atb so you can heal everyone like that that stuff was super exciting yeah and i i do like how everyone felt super uh unique like you were saying and i like how you can get some interesting synergies going uh especially like midway late later in the game where like you could have Aerith throw down Arcane Ward and then have someone else cast a spell twice in the thing. And, you know, it's really exciting when that stuff is working well. I never tried classic mode because I heard it was too easy. Did you know do-
0: No, I, I didn't.
1: I, didn't. I only, I mean, I've only played the demo, but I tried it in the oh. demo. Um, is it,
2: they just AI around and you just do the menu stuff?
1: Um, no, it's basically the base the main thing is that they take the need to like counter manually away. So you don't have to worry about doing counters. Oh. Um, but yeah, unless there is like some like hard version of that mode, I wouldn't touch it because I, it, it, you just like tore through everything. Yeah. It was paper. Thin. And, that, and that's
0: exactly oh, okay. why I didn't experiment with it is. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. Didn't try either. Um,
2: yeah, I mean I, I, I do feel like I've just been saying my my negative stuff, and that's mostly because uh the impression I've gotten is that a lot of the the discussion that's happened around this game has been largely positive right. uh from us. No. So I just thought I would voice a few of my little concerns. Totally. Um, Love it. But uh as far as the positives go, well one thing along with the the combat system that I had to uh adjust my mind to is uh you said like the writing and the characterizations are better than in the original. And I do think that's true. The the funny thing is though, with this game is there is like an earnest quality to it that is absent from a lot of modern video game writing, like modern, a lot of games are like so dark and so heavy and sardonic kind of, whereas this well has like it wears its heart on its sleeve in both the, the positive writing and when things get heavy and dark, I've sort of it's it's
0: yeah I don't know do you know what I mean totally I actually <laughs> think something that Western RPGs tend to do better than JRPGs a lot of times is I, I feel like <clears throat> in the worst cases um, JRPGs tend to put their characters on a pedestal in a really annoying way where like <laughs> this one does <laughs> um, everybody wants to bang cloud what everybody what I mean by that is They will be kind of perfect until you have, like, the very obvious, like, we're going to go into your dark backstory scene. Oh, right, and, right, and, right. I see what you mean. Yeah. And I, I think maybe an even better way of saying that is they're kind of one-dimensional. Whereas I feel like Western RPGs can't, you know, again, we're speaking in generalities here. They they kind of let their characters feel a little bit more natural and, like, occasionally shitty sometimes. Um, yeah. And I think Final Fantasy VII Remake, they get sort of anxiety they get sort of doubt they get sort of fear they get sort of selfishness like all of that stuff feels like it creeps in uh more naturally than it sometimes does in in other jrpgs
2: yeah oh absolutely the but still with that kind of for me at least with that kind of earnest quality like it's it's heightened in a Mm. way this world like I mean, Barrett is the most heightened character, sometimes to like a kind of intense degree, I think. But like, even like a quiet moment with Tifa, is at like a six on the like intensity scale, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it 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 feels not cartoonish, but like everything's just heightened. And so, like for me, I had to definitely like put my mind in that kind of space. Mm. You have to. I had to come. I had to meet it where it was. It wasn't I you know, you can't come into this expecting it to just be like some kind of subdued
0: uh you know I wonder if Russian novel if you, kind of style. Bouncing between Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy <laughs> <laughs> accentuated that feeling. Yeah. It may have.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, it, it feels like this game is like hyper in writing and look compared to a lot of other games, Mm. which is not a negative thing. It's it's a very cool thing, I think, a lot of the time. I think it would be easy to kind of sarcastically read the writing as, like, writ large or, like, broad strokes, kind of, like, not very good. And I mean, like, sometimes the writing isn't perfect, but I think if you're coming to it at its speed, it's a lot of fun. Yes. I do think that there are way too many throwaways, like crowd walla lines, it's like hilarious how much the crowd around you talks. <laughs> we talked about this mm-hmm. so in the
0: spoiler mode, and we all pretty much agreed where it was like, we really like this thing. We like that there's this dialogue going on, but sometimes like you're running through and it's like all stepping on top of each other yeah. and it's just way
2: too much. <laughs> and the side of the if you have subtitles on the side of the screen'll show yeah. them all. So it'll yeah. be like the entire side of your T V is just dialogue on top of itself. <laughs> also everyone does I think we talked about this on the stream or something, but like everyone does the anime exhalations constantly., uh, it, I feel like it tones down or maybe I got used to it as the game went on. but like the the beginning half of the game is all just like
3: uh, 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 uh,
2: like all the time. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a cool game. It's really fun, and like so many sequences and a lot of the cutscenes were
0: just like super cool and really, really well done. Ian, uh, it's so funny you bring up the anime exhalations because I feel like I'm just so saturated in that shit. Like I've just it's just so <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. beaten into me that like I just sort of implicitly accept it. And so sometimes it's nice getting somebody who maybe isn't isn't quite as constantly emerged in that style, being like, Why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. it was
2: really funny in Animal Crossing earlier today, one of my animals was like, I want to get to know you. What what are you what's your favorite hobby? And the first three choices were, like, uh, exercise, shopping, and watching anime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny. It was just like two really broad things and then anime. <laughs> I was like, yeah, anime. Actually, I wrote I wrote in my own. But.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've gotten one of those like that, for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, don't use punctuation in those, though, because then you'll get an exclamation point in the middle of a
3: sentence. <laughs>
2: Uh, cuz i wrote since and then it was like since comma those sound fun
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah uh final fantasy 7 is good don't at me i liked it i liked it <laughs> just thought i'd no, say my little nitpicks uh I,
0: yeah fuck it i think that was very level it was a very level headed conversation
2: all right good Yeah. i worried that i was dumping on it and i wasn't no, trying no, no, to no. dunk on it I, or whatever
0: I think you really dump on something sometimes if you like can't even muster the energy to go into great detail because like that's that's when you really hate something <laughs> not not you i'm saying yeah, at large yeah. as people mm-hmm. one does, one does yeah. yeah yeah i think if you because like like i said i feel like there are so many things where it's like i can go into really nitpicky stuff with final fantasy 7 remake but i think the only reason i can go into that sort of detail is because like i'm obsessed with it uh, yeah, and I think it, I think it takes that level of obsession to kind of get there. Well, and it's it's funny, like it's one of those I'm really looking forward
2: to the next part.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the last part of the game had some really exciting. I mean, the beginning of the game, chapter nine were my favorite parts. But then just like philosophically toward the end was really interesting. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the next chapter. I have no desire to ever play this more. Really? Like I don't. Yeah, I don't want to do any hard mode. I don't care about getting the summons I didn't get. I'm I'm not gonna play it again. Gotcha. Mm. Uh,
0: so it's like I w- I would say I liked it, didn't love it. I feel like I'm I'm but I like. Trying it. to invent excuses to keep playing it.
2: Yeah, that's fun. I was I was anxious to be done by the mm. time it was done, not because I was hating it, but just because I was like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. And I do have some bad news. Uh oh. Oh uh, you did touch on something that the demons didn't like, putting us in the, the frame trap realm. Uh you said Every you time said, you said synergies. Uh, and th- the reason yeah. why they don't like synergies is they're worried that we're gonna synergize so well at some point that we will banish them forever.
2: It's their weakness. It's their weakness.
0: Yeah. Um Blue we Arcade and Frame Trap Realm, we're actually doing a new game today. Uh and you know, we're at that point in the generation where things are winding down, and so the game that we're gonna play today is when will the last one be? And so I have five different things, uh, and I just want... You know, it's not really a competition. I just want to know when you think we'll get the last one of this specific thing. Uh, I'm going to crush you, blood. What, what, what year or month or what whatever you think it will be when it will happen. Um, and So the first one I have written down here is when will the last game for ps4 and xbox one when will the last official release be and obviously it could be two different answers based on the platform
2: didn't just dance 2020 like i thought just dance 2019 for the wii would be the last one but 2020 i think is happening also i can
1: look um for the wii no i think 2020 came out in 2019 is that the thing
2: yeah, but I remember thinking tw- the 2019 one would be the last one, and then they did it again. I'm
1: pretty 20- sure. That they- Just as
0: 2020 came out for the Wii, November 5th,
1: 2019. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was the last. To they said it in the pro- yeah the press. Oh, and the they said yeah.
2: So how long how long was that
0: after the Wii was done? <laughs>
1: it's a long. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say when something's done, right?
0: Right, right, right. I feel like but. the the PS4 and Xbox One are different than like the we just dance yeah. thing but i yes totally it yeah. could be whenever
2: <laughs> it's just the first thing but i i definitely think they'll put out cross gen sports games and stuff for at least three or four years i think
0: it could be even longer potentially could be longer yeah,
1: yeah. It, it's it's getting weird really. like they're not
2: still putting out ps3 maddens are they Mm-mm. so six years five years Right. So gonna, Ian's going to say
0: five oh, years.
1: But PS3 is a different thing because now we're getting to this situation where like, oh, they'll play on both. And like the new right. generation is almost kind of like the PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, but a step higher. You know, it's just, it's weird. People are talking about, I, I saw people on Twitter today t- talking about uh, the Xbox One X might be discontinued. And they'll still have the S alongside of the series X, huh? So those will be your your differences rather than having like this weird like half step in between. So it'd be like
2: it'd be like if the pro PS4 Pro was stopped being produced. they right. just did the four and the five or the slim yeah. and the five. I guess in a sense that makes sense because, you know, your your tech head early adopter people are probably going to jump up anyway.
1: Yeah, like if you're going to be getting the the $100 crowd, you're not going to be able to do that with the PS4 Pro, right? So
2: And if that's true, that's an indicator that the price point of the new one'll probably just be the same as the Pro and and X, right? Yeah. Or similar ballpark. Anyway, when do you think the PS4 will stop blood?
1: I guess I guess I'll give it talking about the last the last one a specific date or a specific year, like
0: it'll be it'll year. be seven years from okay. now, or whatever.
1: I'll say twenty twenty-five. Ooh,
0: blood's given a specific year. All right, so five, yep. so five years from now, same as yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> five yeah.
1: years. Because <laughs> I, I, I think, in a weird way, like it still sort of works both ways. Like it's hard for me to like really pin it down because. On the one hand, it's like, well, yeah, they can keep making games, but on the other hand, it's like, well, at some point, what's what's even the point? Right. I don't know. It's going to be weird to understand it, because like, if a PS five game is just a PS four game that works with better graphics, how long does that keep up?
0: I think this Nest one is especially hard, just because I've I've fallen so far off the horse, and I think you guys have as well. But um, still, think it was it'd be interesting from an outsider's perspective to guess when will the last like not minor but like major content new stuff update be for destiny 2
1: Ooh.
0: major update yeah you said like major content significant right expansion like has a name yeah again like We might be getting the the technicalities of of this wrong, but I think you get the spirit of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I'll
1: say next year. Next year. Yep.
2: I'll say two years. Okay. Because I think, I think I would agree with Blood, but I bet that whatever they were planning has been delayed by COVID.
1: Sure. Um, But yeah, I think they'll probably do something else. But once they... Yeah, I feel like once they move on to 3, which they probably will with um, next-gen, they're going to flip the switch hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When will the last Super Smash Bros. Ultimate character come out? Uh,
2: They haven't confirmed a third season, right? Or did they? They've confirmed
1: there won't be another one after okay. this grouping
2: so there are just six to go mm-hmm. six or eight? Six.
1: Six. yeah i'd say that'd be like march of 22 huh that's, that's what like, i was just about to yeah. say
2: i was literally about to say march tw- 2020 i was
0: thinking the the same thing <laughs> all right so i'm gonna p- put both of you march 2022 That's a long time. I wonder what the last character is going to be. Uh, When probably somebody from Fire Emblem. (laughs) When will
1: Velociraptor?
0: Whoa! When will the last Final Fantasy VII remake
1: part release?
0: Oh man! (laughs) Oh man!
1: Oh man! This is fun.
2: My guess is that part two will come out in three years, and part Mm. three will come out in six, (laughs) or five. And you think three will be the last part
0: six years from now?
2: I think there'll be three. My friend Jason had a guess for what it'll be called, and I think he's probably right, but I don't know if that's a spoiler, so I won't say it.
0: Okay. What is this? I really want to
2: know. It's something that they repeat early enough in the game, so it might not be a spoiler, but
0: oh know. man i'm really curious starts with the letter r
2: r e <laughs> <laughs> he th- he thinks all three of them will start with r e interesting interesting for reasons that are interesting if you think about it
1: if you think um about i'll be optimistic i guess i'll go twenty
0: twenty four that is optimistic i like i like what it.
1: Because they they have the they have the engine built, they have the yeah, yeah. the style built, they have the characters modeled. It's really about building environments uh, for the most yeah. part.
2: But do you think? Here's a question: Do you think that parts, part two, three, if there are three, would obviously? But will part two be next gen only, or will it be cross gen? It depends I on how so. soon
1: it is. I think right, that they yeah. will keep them. Uh, uh cross-gen cross-gen the whole i think thing.
2: you're probably right you're oh probably I, right. I don't know
0: i don't necessarily think they'll keep all of them cross-gen i don't think the third
2: one would be cross-gen it'd be too late if there is a third one
0: but i could definitely see the second part being cross-gen depending on when it comes out
1: there'll be a hundred million ps4s if there aren't already
0: yeah ps5s you mean
1: no PS4s. Oh, oh ps4s
0: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 all right so the last one i uh went really broad When will the last Call of Duty game ever, ever, the last one come out? Oh, man.
1: (laughs) When is the sun supposed to expand?
2: (laughs) 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 Just before that. (laughs) They'll ship one, but it won't get to people because the sun will explode. Probably... It would take some kind of sea change in video gaming. Or just humanity's ability to play video games at at all to stop that train. Probably had
0: saying the apocalypse.
2: Or well, hang on, though, Ben, I think something more likely is uh, like a pseudo rebrand. Like see. It's like the successor no of Call of People no longer know Duty. what
1: war is.
2: <laughs> well, I doubt that, but they, they call it something similar to but different from Call of Duty
0: in like 40 years. I. It, it's hard to know when lightning is going to strike, but that was kind of the thing with Call of Duty 4, right? Is lightning struck, and over time it just got so explosively big that Activision kind of changed so much to accommodate that explosion, I think that could happen again, right? So like if Activision has something like that kind of catch fire, yeah. They would reorient things and maybe slow down Call they, of Duty.
2: They already released one just called just called Modern Warfare, right? It didn't have Call of right. Duty on it or did it?
1: Uh, no, it still said it's still Call yeah, of Duty. Yeah, still Call of Duty.
2: Oh, okay. But I could see something like that happening, mm. like down the line where they release one. You know, it's like it's like doing a reboot and then just calling it, you know, Rambo or whatever. Sure instead of first blood or whatever uh they could just release one called just like modern warfare when will that
0: happen when will the last call of duty game come out 20 years 20 20 years okay so you're gonna say 2040
2: Mm. yeah
1: so we're halfway through we're at we're at the peak
0: yeah blood
2: it'll be bigger than ever it'll just be called something slightly different
0: What do you got? What year?
1: Oh. I thought I answered that. Um, oh, did
0: you? I must have missed it.
1: Yeah, I just I just don't know.
2: Oh, when the sun explodes. When the sun, when expands, the sun explodes. Yeah. That was his... So, uh, 2035 is blood <laughs> Tomorrow.
1: No, I think the sun will be fine.
0: <laughs> we can't mess that up yet. Alright, so again, this wasn't uh, competitive, but just to run over all the answers one more time. When will the last PS4 slash Xbox One game come out? Ian says five years. Blood says five years. 2025. Destiny 2 DLC, you know, expansion, major content update. Uh, Blood, one year from now. Ian, two years from now. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate character. Both of you said around March 2022. Final Fantasy seven Remake chapter, part. Ian, six years from now. Blood, 2024. Call of Duty. It- That's part three, six years from now. Yeah. Part two, three years from now. Sure.
1: This is a funny Wikipedia quote when you Google. So it says, (laughs) if Earth is not destroyed by the expanding red giant sun in 7.6 billion years, then a time scale of 10 to the 19th, 10 quintillion years, the remaining planets in the solar system will be ejected from the system by violent relaxation.
2: That's what I do on Saturdays.
1: what a term violent, violent relaxation.
2: relaxation hey does that have its own article you just
0: have to violently relax <laughs> uh, for call of duty Ian said 2040 blood said when the sun explodes <laughs> um, so you both blood wins You both <laughs> since you worked kind of together to talk about your answers and you, you know this is a discussion you'll both have to break us out of the frame trap uh, so think of a way both of you come up with ideas how you want to do that uh but before we do that we have some lovely people that we want to shout out to on our shout out tier um and if you want to find out more information on this if you want to hear your name shouted out on this podcast and the easy allies podcast go to patreon.com slash easy allies where there's more information but our first shout out is to blue shout out shout out shout
1: out uh, i'm sorry I didn't know what we we're doing
0: yeah <laughs> Just moving it it's on also the Also, front code and Ooh. reaction shots, too. And also, front code and reaction shots. Shout out.
2: Yeah.
0: It's a good value. It's a good value. The Circus of Value. The Circus of Value. Uh, That's coming out on Switch. Caleb Togi Crawford. Shout, shout out. out. L Thanis. Shout, shout out. out. All right, for the next one, I... there's no T on shout out, blood. For the next one, uh, I want you guys to say, shout out in a, a as high pitched as you can and as short as you can. Okay. Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Shout out. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that actually sounded pretty cool. And our last but not least shout out, Jesse Blue. Shout,
3: shout out. out.
0: I was hoping you would do the high pitched Short thing again. But I did not direct you to do that. I just liked it. It was really fun. (laughs) Have you guys thought of a way to break us out of this frame trap?
2: Some kind of ASMR maybe. Ooh, I like that.
1: I was thinking about flipping a coin and that, that might influence Ian's reaction.
2: Okay, here. You flip a coin and I'll ASMR the result. Just show it to me.
1: Okay.
0: I feel like this is going to end up on, like, some Sonic the Hedgehog page in some dark corner of the internet. <laughs> 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 just whispers, yes. Tails. Tails. I'm, pi-
2: I'm picturing him, like, showing up in the background wearing a trench coat, and it just
3: goes,
0: Tails. Tales. Um, moving on, in... <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for breaking us out of the frame trap but uh let's talk about something that i think you and i are both very excited to talk about something that like we've been waiting eight years for and then just like showed up pretty quickly oh, baby uh we were talking about fiona apple's new album fetch the bolt cutters um
2: fetch the bolt cutters
0: i've had like two listening sessions with it i haven't had like a ton of time to just drown in it but you know, yeah. over the period of maybe the next eight years, I'm sure I'll have plenty of time. But I, I, I think I have enough to say for this discussion. Uh, how are you feeling about the new album? Ian?
2: I, I, I did a classic sit and listen. Mm. I just sat, didn't do anything else, didn't look at my phone, didn't do anything. Just used my ears uh, and listened to it. Then I sat with my feelings for a little while. Mm. Uh, then I read like various reviews. And then I listened oh, to it no. again. Uh, the reviews are actually interesting. They kind of just like, they put into words more what I was already feeling. Mm.
1: Um, actually, the reviews were super positive, right?
2: Yeah, everybody loves it. Uh, Except Which Fantano. is interesting.
0: What? Except Fantano. Who's that? He gave it a seven.
2: Fantano? You don't know
0: who Fantano is? He's like the most popular oh. music critic on YouTube. Hmm.
2: Eh. uh but yeah like i uh yeah like pitchfork gave it a 10 and i'm like yeah i mean 10 is pretty extreme but like it's good it's really really good um but it's also very different and weird and loose and kind of raw um it has a lot of kind of like found sound in it uh Apparently on Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Cara Delveen was there to sing her part in Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which apparently Jillian Anderson also sang on. Oh, and I interesting. was like, what? That is really interesting. Uh, but Cara oh, Delveen, no, I, like.
1: I, I knew, uh, it, 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 I found out about Jillian uh, Anderson doing songs. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't Gillian Anderson. It was somebody else. It was Katie Seagal. But, but I got it mixed up because it was just as random to me. <laughs> uh katie seagal had done like like shows and clubs where it had friends perform and, and i would just see oh, the funny. posters and i'm like what
2: <laughs> funny uh but Kara delvin had brought her dog over and there are a bunch of dogs barking at the end of fetch the bolt cutters and i guess it just the the dogs were quiet while they did the whole song and then they started barking at the end and fiona apple was just like yeah all right she just left it in <laughs> it's just like all right and there's like one i think the last track on i go she, there's like a quote-unquote mistake and she's just like shit fuck whatever and just keeps going you know <laughs> and like laughs she like laughs in this album fiona apple laughing um
0: i think she actually has a wonderful sense of humor
2: oh yeah no she's very funny but uh she just seems so sad in some of her early stuff
0: well and uh, you want to talk about like lyrics some of these lyrics are oh, harrowing in this this album oh my god
2: yeah yeah real heavy stuff mm-hmm. uh it's it yeah the album it jumps all over like it can be funny it can be devastating uh yeah and i think it's angry like it's more of an outward anger whereas idler wheel was more inward about like depression and, and addiction and stuff and this is still about that a little but it's also about like tearing down the patriarchy and stuff
0: yeah that that's actually something that I really like about the album. And I in the Pitchfork review, they were kind of like, there's never been music that sounded like this. And I, I kind of internalized that. And I was like, mm, I I feel like there's... I mean, that's just not true. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> there's a nice progression here from Either Wheel into Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Like, yeah. I think if you kind of view that as beginning... I think it's kind of taking on those ideas and expanding them and reinterpreting them. And something that I think made Idler Wheel very good is there was a lot of insecurity in that album. And there was a lot of like self-doubt. And something that's fascinating about Fetch the Bolt Cutters is it seems therapeutic in a way. It seems like it's processing stuff, but everything seems very purposeful. And it's like, I finally figured out how I feel about this and now I'm going to talk about it. Like there's... There's kind yeah. of a, a, a confidence. And when she's lashing out, you feel like you've spent the last eight years thinking about this. And it, it feels like you've just personally reached this understanding with yourself that it's kind of just fascinating to see where you are mentally. Like, it, I don't know. I some of the things that she's talking about are so specific to her, but they feel really relatable. Like when she is lashing out, you're like, I've, I've felt that way about certain things before. And it's, I think you only feel that relatability because she's put so much thought into it. If that makes sense.
2: Well, and absolutely. And there's like a freedom and joviality to this album that her previous work had, but it felt like it was, being restrained before like maybe the recording label or whoever uh was keeping keeping it from from staying raw and rougher on the edges and this one is so raw that like you'd be forgiven for thinking things are like unfinished Mm -hmm. but it's like that's very much intentional and part of the language of this album is that kind of freedom and it's refreshing to hear that freedom and that kind of mode of expression coming out of Fiona Apple. Um, especially if you've been on the journey with her through like back all the way to criminal or like through extraordinary machine and all this stuff. And it's just like, she finally just gets to do it her way and say it the way she wants to. And, uh, she even released it earlier than her label wanted her to because she was just like, nah, it's now, (laughs) <laughs> I'm like this is the time they need it, um, yeah. And I really appreciated it. And it, it's funny because like my first listen, I loved it, but I was also like, "Are any of these bops?" I was like, "Does this slap?" Not, not really. But not exact. Not in the way you would not, expect. Yes. And then on my second listen, you find the hooks more readily, yes. and then you start to move.
0: And it's like, okay, yeah, this slaps. It just slaps you across the face. This is this <laughs> is exactly why I love Fiona Apple so much. I actually think it's a quality that in a lot of her best work, Joni Mitchell exhibits as well. Sure. Um, where so everybody's talking about like how how raw or un, unfinished, quote unquote, it is. Like that's there's or or how unconventional it is. But I think that's kind of overshadowing how good the songs are like, and what I mean by that is sometimes I get annoyed on albums that like are self-indulgent where they kind of get in the way of the songs and you have like minutes of time where you're just like kind of listening to abstract sounds and it's not really feeding into the, the, the rest of the album in a very productive way. And then you kind of come back and it's like, Oh, this is good again. Whereas Fiona Apple, like you have all these weird sounds and it does get pretty unconventional but i never feel like that stuff is so leaned into or so egregious that i lose the enjoyment of that particular song and i feel like a lot of the what? songs are so different from each other but there's still there's still kind of this focus to them maybe not as much as on like either wheel it is looser than that yeah. but i do think yeah. there is Something that just kind of, especially on repeat listens, as you said, kind of worms its way into your pleasure centers. You know.
2: Well, it's funny because Idler Wheel feels like a, an album, and this feels like a night at a at her house. like yeah. she's playing songs for you. Yes, exactly. And
0: that's that is what and, I said when I was listening <laughs> to it. I was like, I feel like Fiona Apple is like right next to me, right? Doing these songs. Yeah, like she's yes.
2: here. And, and she's just like plinking it out on the piano and also like, I mean, she has a history with lengthy, strange outros. Criminal has like a minute of just like, it just does its thing and then stops. You know? <laughs> and this album, many of the songs kind of just go. But what I like about it on this one is that it lets the reality kind of seep in mm. at the end of a lot of the songs. Where like the dog's barking is the easiest example where it's just like, here's what it's like right in that moment, you know? But some of them like, it sounds like her initial recording of the vocal melody and like her kind of laughing to herself as she comes up with it almost, or just like saying it to herself as she like continue, like the song's done, but she's like walking away down the street and just kind of humming it to herself as as she goes, you know? And it it has, yeah, this kind of like, movements almost where it's like acts of a play or movements of a piece of music where it kind of moves through them and it tells this it's it tells a story in a different way from a concept album where it's literally like mars volta is like telling you a story with you know a to b whatever this is telling you the story of where fiona apple is in 2019 when they recorded this like who she is how she's feeling Mm -hmm and and she's letting you into that and it's like a collage
3: almost
0: yeah and i think you could make an an easy argument against this but um so like the dogs barking for example and going back to that earlier point of this really feeling like an a an album or a, a statement on this is who i am the dogs barking is really interesting because the dog, if, if you know anything about Fiona Apple, if you've been following Fiona Apple very casually, like at every opportunity she can, she is spending time with her dog. She's showing off her dog. Like you get the sense that she likes her dog more than she likes other people, which very relatable for for a while was probably probably true, right? <laughs> and the dog is even on the album cover, right? And so hmm. it doesn't just feel like dogs are barking to bark. It is again, as you described it, letting that reality seep in, where it's like this is such an important part of her life that it is kind of lending to that self-proclamation, that statement: "This is who I am. This is why I'm including it is because it's such a yeah. big everyday part of my life." Um, and so, it's important. yeah, and it feels, and that's what's so great about Fiona Apple is is these things oftentimes feel very purposeful in what she's trying to say.
2: And it's it's funny and I read uh, I've read a few interviews with her. I think one was on vulture maybe. Um really really nice interview. Um but like it, it was really interesting to hear her talk about this album and say like she was ready to address things that happened when she was 12 mm-hmm. or in middle school, you know, and it's like It took her this long to get there because she's not drowning herself in booze anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I'm so there for that. Like, and it's such a powerful message too. like that. The journey of, of you is never done, you know, like it continues as long as you do. And there's always work to be done and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you shouldn't feel ashamed if it takes you 40 years to come back around to something that happened when you were, when you were a kid. Uh, That's just, how human brains are sometimes and i just think for her to live that so large and to share it with us is a nice just such a nice positive message to have Mm -hmm. um and i mean just she's such a brilliant lyricist and and such a daring and interesting uh it's hard to talk about music without sounding like such a pretentious doink but like (laughs) she's so daring and innovative i think it's um, i think as long as you're speaking from the place of honesty it's okay (laughs) right (laughs) and it's like you know she really is and like she's trying something
0: you Mm. know
2: she's not just gonna do idler wheel again and when she did idler wheel she wasn't just doing extraordinary machine again or whatever you know it's just like or whatever one came before that but like yeah, I don't know. And she takes her time with it, which
0: I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to remember right? sometimes the sequence because there is such gigantic fucking yeah, gap. Yeah, seven years in between yeah, all of them. Um, or longer before I wheel, the real, right? Uh, I don't remember when Extraordinary Machine came out. Either way came out in 2012. But there was, yeah. like, a long gap between...
2: I'm going to look it up. Yeah.
0: Um, Ian, you mentioned, like... And we both kind of talked about her like lashing out and kind of tackling things and and letting that 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 anger come through. But I think what makes the the, the the that anger specifically so effective for me is it's not just like a general purpose rant, right? Like it's not just like, yeah, oh, the patriarchy sucks. Let's make a song about it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this there's a message coming across, but that message is being funneled through hyper specific experiences that I'm a skilled enough writer to illustrate, to bring you along that journey. And I think that personalization, much like in Idler wheel makes it a lot more emotionally effective, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like the great troubadours of our time or whatever. Is that what that word means? The great, the great songsmiths of our age, you know, mm-hmm. like use that tactic pretty frequently, right? Or like at least a characterization of of a, of a character, if it's not themselves, you know, to to achieve that. Uh, title was ninety six. When the pawn, blah blah blah, was ninety nine. Extraordinary machine was two thousand five. Idler wheel, blah blah blah, was twenty twelve. Fetch the bolt cutters, twenty twenty. Hmm. nuts
0: it's it's hard and I should say this maybe to wrap up the, the conversation from my end where <clears throat> you know with video games I, I have a professional obligation <laughs> to try to as best I can you know acknowledge my own biases and wrestle with those biases in um, my my coverage and what I'm communicating to you guys but with music You know, I don't I don't have the same obligation because it's something I'm just passionate about and enjoy on the side. And so I do want to say, like, (laughs) it is hard for me to be critical about Fiona Apple because I'm just so completely in awe of of what she does. And I think she is truly like tremendously skilled. So, like, take that. Take what I'm saying with that perspective. Like, I am a I am a gigantic, gigantic believer in in what she's
2: doing.
1: Well, I mean, even what Ian said at the beginning, where it's like he listened to it and then he sat with it and then he listened to it and then he read reviews, and I'm like, oh no. Like, I just like, said, like I would, I I pretty much never want to read a review about an album in my life. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I,
2: I read a review and then I read uh, interviews with her, like her talking mm-hmm. too, and like getting her context was really, really cool and important for this album too. But yeah, and I mean, like, I think the funny thing with Fetch the Bolt Cutters is like, yeah, Pitchfork's given it a 10 because of course they would. But like, you know, if you're if you're the kind of person who doesn't just like Pitchfork gave it a 10. So fuck it, you know, like but if if you listened to it and didn't like it, I 100 percent understand that the thing. Like is,
0: it's a weird album. Either wheel was also a 10, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, on the real is a 10, yeah. Uh, I think they gave it... I don't remember what they gave it. They didn't give it a 10. They gave it a 9, I think. I don't remember. Um, but it's because a man reviewed it. He just didn't get uh, it. No, but to to kind of maybe combat the review thing, um, actually, I, I, I think it's a good review. Uh, it's kind of getting a lot of dislikes yeah. on YouTube, but uh, Fantano's review... Oh, it,
2: oh fantana yeah I,
0: I like him a lot um and i think he, he he approaches things with a pretty clear head and i i didn't agree with a lot of what he was saying but i totally saw where he was coming from and i do think he brings up some very good points where i was like you know i, I walked away from the review and i was like i i definitely like it more than you but i see where you are coming from and i always love that you know i love reaching that point oh that guy yeah that guy melon
2: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just didn't know his name, yeah. but I have I've seen some of his videos. Yeah, I think
0: he does a very good review of it. Um yeah. and it's always good. It's always good to get another perspective. Especially one that is thoughtful, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Fetch the bull Coats. I really I like mean, it. I hope more people her... listen to. What's that?
2: Oh, her I, her stuff is just so her stuff yes and it's like yes, yes, yes if her stuff's not your stuff that's totally fine
0: <laughs> well i think <laughs> no somebody somebody i didn't make the comparison on my own and i think you would make it quicker than i did ian but i think somebody said like oh this is just a tom waits album maybe it was fantastic.
2: actually i was on, i was gonna say yeah. that like when i was listening to
0: it i was like this is a tom Waits," yeah album. and i was like oh like i'm not the biggest tom Waits fan in the world but as soon as i heard that i was like yeah it totally is and it is not gonna yeah. be for for everybody um, yeah. But I admire just the creativity and the voice. And it has filled me with joy that a lot of people in in our community have gone on and given Fiona Apple a chance and fallen in love with it. And so I hope, yeah. I hope maybe this conversation inspires some I, of that exploration.
2: I definitely think as like put it on and sit there and listen to it, Idler Wheel is easier to listen to because it's got more
0: like songs well it definitely (laughs) like every single night i think is more of a like it's definitely like a single or like hot knife is definitely like a single hot knife yeah it'd be harder i think to pick out singles in this
2: yeah this is like this this part of this song has a hook and then it's a slam poem
0: and then it has the hook again yeah 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 totally which is amazing
2: but it's like yeah it's it's the tom waits album for sure i actually i i I thought that when I was listening to it. No joke.
0: I think, um, start, if you've never experienced with Fiona Apple, I think maybe starting with, um, her second album or, which I always forget the name of for some reason, even though I, I just love it. read
2: it. it. Well, because it's a yeah. freaking paragraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it's a paragraph. No, I, I adore <laughs> that album, but I, I forget the name. Um, starting with her second album or. It's like when the Pearl. When the. With the pawn, with the pawn, yeah, yeah. That hits the conflicts. He thinks like a king. Yeah. what
2: he blah, blah. It goes on and
0: on. very good album, which I love. Either starting with that one or either wheel, and then maybe if you like that, transitioning to fetch the bolt cutters might be might be helpful.
2: I yeah, I. There are definitely I have favorite songs from her first three albums. But it wasn't until Idler Idler Wheel where I just like listened to her an entire album of hers on repeat. I
0: agree with that. I agree with that. I think yeah. Idler Wheel was the first one where I was like, I like this whole album. But I actually feel that way about Fetch the Bold Cutters, at least right now, where I really do oh, like yeah. the entire album as as a whole. And I think yeah. it works very well as an album. And that doesn't
2: happen a lot yeah, anymore. Untitled, like, there's like Sullen Girl, Shadow Boxer, and Criminal are like the ones I know. Shadow
0: Boxer is so good.
2: And then like Paper Bag? Yeah, Paper Bag's and very fast good. Fast As You Can fast, yeah. are the ones I know from the middle one. And then Extraordinary Machine, the titular track, is incredible.
0: Um, oh, Sailor I really like on Extraordinary Machine.
2: Yeah. I can't conjure that one in my head right now,
0: actually, so I don't know. Good stuff. Sorry, Blood. You, you kind of got washed into the, the like, <laughs> Fiona Apple super fan discussion, but... <laughs> It's it had stuff. to happen
1: no it sounds cool but
0: I think you'd yeah. be as, as somebody as a man of taste and as an appreciator of music I think you would really like this stuff
2: I want a Daniel Bloodworth written review <laughs> I would love that it'd be great of of Fetch the Bolt yeah. Cutters dude like no joke it can be an easy update <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, really quickly I just want to talk about uh XCOM Chimera Squad,
2: ah, which just yeah, came I'm about Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I just got to play it for a little bit today. I'm not very far in at all, but I think even the little bit of time that I have uh, being introduced to some of the new mechanics um, is very interesting. Uh,
1: and is this a mobile thing or no. is it a full PC well, release? What is, is a,
0: so? Is it an expansion? This is it? Its own game? Yes. Uh, <laughs> what I really like about this is that wasn't a yes or no question. It is so. It's a full PC release, ah. but it's just this weird little experiment for ten dollars. At least right now, it's ten dollars. So it's a great price point, okay. and it 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 just has this energy about it that I I love. I love when things are just like we're just gonna do something a little bit weird. We're gonna we're gonna play around with it, and I think this is why fucking Farasis XCOM is on top. I got a, I got a call out. So I've been playing. You're on top. I've been playing these. XCOM-inspired strategy games, and a lot of them are very good, but they're g- mostly
1: good. You've got to finish that call-out.
0: Yeah, I will. I will. I'll finish the call-out.
1: Okay, okay.
0: I, it's on sale right now. It's $10. Or yeah, $20. I can't finish the call-out yet because I'm you under... Can't I, I can't finish the call-out. Okay, okay, I can't okay, okay, too okay, specific because okay. I'm actually <laughs> under embargo. But there are a lot of games that are effectively copying what XCOM Enemy Unknown did, essentially, in XCOM 2. And they're good, but they're good because they're copying a very good thing. And that's fine. I'm I'm okay with more. I like the XCOM formula. I don't think that's like some egregious sin, but XCOM baby, it's forward thinking, and it was forward thinking from Enemy Unknown into XCOM Two, and then XCOM Two into the War of the Chosen, and now War of the Chosen into Chimera Squad. Um, and so I just bought Chimera Squad. just literally right now (laughs)
3: Um,
0: well you may have have wanted to wait until I finish the impressions because it's like it's not all positive but it's at least very interesting so what it is is XCOM right is prides itself on you making a squad of people and having a lot of like not fodder but you know you kind of recruit people and you give them their own names and they're kind of goofy you can make them goofy if you want you know you can make them look ridiculous Chimera Squad is very story-driven, um, and more of the Chosen, I would say, was more story-driven than some earlier stuff. But you are playing as named characters who have distinct personalities, and hmm. y- you are playing through. I'm a getting more, a refund now. You're playing through a more linear story, and <laughs> I definitely appreciate the direction that they're going for. I don't think so far anyway and again very 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 early on that it, it rises above anything beyond like it's cute so far like you know you kind of have this ragtag group they kind of poke at each other a little bit they kind of quip at each other it is like what you would expect it's not it doesn't seem in- incredibly great but i do think where they're placing it so it's after x come 2 is already done and you've won the war and people that were former enemies, these aliens, now you're working with them. And mm. so your your soldiers are more varied where it's like, hey, you remember that snake guy that could like use his tongue to like grab people? Well, you can recruit somebody on your team that just does that. And so that's really <laughs> fun. Right. And that's not just a snake guy, but that's a snake guy with a name and a personality and a backstory and, and all that stuff. And so get
1: Real hard to talk to, though. <laughs>
0: blood jokes (laughs) um but that's really fun and so because he hisses so much what unpack that one for me okay okay. i thought that's what you were saying i wasn't sure i thought it was the hissing (laughs) but guess what? because he wraps you up in his tongue every time he says something like what yeah real hard to talk to though
1: sticks his tongue out it's like oh you smell real nice tonight
0: yeah um (laughs) And, but what's also cool about that is you're kind of getting this motley crew of, of aliens and humans where they all have like specific mechanics. And so you get this, this big British guy who has this rage mechanic where when he takes damage or he can psych himself up, uh, you will do more damage. But if he rages too much, he goes berserk. And so different units have different things like that. And so I think beyond just kind of like the class or the role that they are, their specific uh, type plays into it a lot as well, and I think they're they're just trying to give units more individual mechanics. Um, but beyond that, and so, so the easiest thing to criticize is the game is kind of rough. Um, and what I mean by that is it seems a little bit janky, where like somebody will die, and they'll be like glitching in the window, or they're meant to be taking cover, but they're like standing on top of it, or like bumping into it constantly. <laughs> Um, and so visually, it's a little rough around their edges. Nothing that has been like actually impeding gameplay. Uh, so far, it's just been some visual jank. But the other thing that's really, really big, Ian, um, is now there's kind of a spliced turn order. So before, it would be like everybody on your team acts mm-hmm. and then all of the aliens would act. Not so. Yeah. So now when ah. you you go into a room turn order is all over the place so like you, one of your team members will act and then an, an enemy will act and then one of your team members will act and then an alien will act and so that completely changes can you see yes. the order yep yep yep. so, so you, see, you know you not only can you, you can see plan. the order so it's like on the side um but when you are scanning enemies they'll have like a two next to them it'll be like oh that's that guy's coming up so we're at one now and then it's going to be two And so that it's like initiative
3: order.
2: Yeah.
0: It's kind of like initiative. order. Yep. And so um, that completely changes how you will approach a fight. Right. So you may go more aggressive just to knock somebody out the turn order. And so you can have, you know, your other party members act. Um, And then there are also options. Like there's a defensive option that you can take where it's like, oh, you're not going to do anything right now. But next turn, you'll be earlier on the order. And so you kind of have to think turns ahead. And so I actually really like that. It's a pretty dramatic change based on what they've done before. Like it's a very fundamental change to how XCOM happens. And so that's been really fun to think through. I do think at least so far it kind of (laughs) takes some of the fangs out where, you know, like a big hallmark of XCOM is just having your soul ground to dust where you get yeah. to an enemy turn and you just see every action get progressively worse mm-hmm. as yeah. as every enemy just completely annihilates your team and you just have to sit there and you can't do anything <laughs> about it. Um, it does take away from that a little bit, uh, but I, I haven't been playing enough to really say definitively whether that's a positive or negative thing overall or if i prefer one over the other um but right at the gate it it feels different
2: um the other major it's cool that they would try something different like that out in a smaller release like this right it kind of makes sense yeah yeah
0: and that's that's why i think it was such a good idea and i love when companies do that when they kind of spit something out there that feels substantial but is an experiment Um, That it's not just dlc it's its own standalone thing love that approach Uh, The other major thing that you can do is called breaching. Uh, And this is really, really, really interesting. So, so far the way missions have kind of worked, I've only done like the tutorial one and then one other one, but so far how they've worked is they've been like, there'll be three encounters and there'll be room to room to room. And so in order to transition into rooms, you will breach through a door and you will have like multiple entry points. And so, it's like, hey, you can go through here and it will be safer, but you won't get as much of a, like an advantage. Like the enemies won't be surprised, or you won't be able to do as much damage. Or, or I'm forgetting the specifics of it, but that's kind of the general spirit of what they're talking about. Whereas, hey, you can take a greater risk, uh, but the like the last person that will go through will be rooted in place for a turn. And so you kind of have to make these trade-offs or like if you want to breach here, you're going to need an item, which like maybe between missions, you'll have to go and you'll have to spend some of your credits on. So you'll have to take resources and, uh, or like the breach there'll be two different breach points and you can either split up your team or you can decide if it would be better to send them all in at once. And so, so far my knee jerk reaction to that is I really love those decisions and it feels very much in the spirit of XCOM of managing your resources weighing the pros and cons and it it also feels very quick you know you you can kind of see what your options are it's clear and then you just make a decision But then that decision is very important because when you breach and you like let's say you surprise everybody you actually get like a free round of damage so like the way it it works from kind of like an in-universe standpoint is like you're busting in and so you everybody gets a turn to kind of like take a shot at them um like in D&D? Yeah, like in D&D. So I think your call on like <laughs> D&D and initiative order and like like attacks of opportunity or like surprise yeah. does kind of play into... Can you still do Overwatch even you though can. you don't
2: have full turns? You can oh, okay. still do
0: Overwatch. So you get like, you get two points um, and you can use, like some actions take one point, but like attacking takes one point. But if you do it first, it will end your turn for that character. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There's another really interesting... Like in D&D? Yeah. There's another really interesting not thing like D&D. where... Yeah, in D&D you can attack and then move, but yeah. Yeah, I know, Anyway, I um, there's another really interesting thing where you can subdue. So, like, you can run over... Because you're, like, police officers, essentially. You can just go and choose to not kill them, but knock them out. And Ooh.
1: what's oh, interesting, interesting about this
0: is I, I believe with subdue... You're limited on the how often you could do it, but you have a 100% hit chance, and that can be really, really useful. Especially again, if you're trying to manipulate turn order and you're trying to get things that have lower health, is be like, I'm just gonna run over, knock that dude out. Now he's out of the turn order. Um, yeah, that's so that's really cool. And I think there're gonna be gameplay benefits, kind of like um, Monster Hunter. Kind of like monster hunter, sure, capture uh, instead of kill, D&D? but like preserving him, <laughs> preserving the guy. I, I haven't really gotten into how that plays out yet, uh, and hope to give. Like, I'm, do you have a hub, like a base? You have like a base, an yep. And so you have a base where cool. you can recruit people, and you can research things, and you can um, buy stuff. So you can buy like, like you don't necessarily know, but. You can buy like a card, like a key card, like a security card. It's like, hey, you're gonna need this if you want to breach this specific door. So that's really Mm. interesting. Like in Fire Emblem Three Houses. What?
2: You can buy keys and chests. Oh sure, but I was like, there was no, there were no key cards in
0: Fire Emblem Three Houses. (laughs) But sure. The yellow key card, Ben. Yeah. But yeah, I I feel kind of bad because I I just got to play it a little bit today. And so I'm forgetting the specifics. Um, I'm going to be doing a stream actually next week where maybe I can refresh myself on some of the finer details. But I think the general point is whether I end up really liking this or thinking like, ah they could have improved a lot of things. I am still grateful that this exists. And like immediately it's interesting. And it's like, oh, I see why you're playing around with this. I see why you're doing this. Like I think, if you're a fan of XCOM, you will appreciate what they're going for at the very least, which is cool. And for ten bucks? For ten bucks? Yeah, I don't know how $10. it's supposed to be twenty bucks, but they've like slashed it yeah. in half. It's insane. Oh, I, don't okay. long, like I don't know how long. I don't know how long that's going to last for. But yeah, especially at ten dollars, I super think this is worth looking into. Um, it's definitely grabbed me immediately. So, but yeah, gonna be doing a stream on that next week. Please tune in. Um, Ian. Hey. Talk to me about Stronghold Warlords.
2: I will. Um, Quick shout out to two other games real fast. Before We Leave is like a non-violent Civ game coming out soonish, I think. Yeah, uh, non-violent
1: you... meaning like parlay with people or negotiate uh, or?
2: No, uh, just there aren't enemies uh okay it's just about building up your little civilization on a planet and then getting to another island on that planet and then getting to another island and then eventually getting off that planet and starting it over on another planet Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty cool and then a little puzzle game i checked out called filament uh which you are a little robot inside things pulling a light cord around and you have to light up certain things in a certain order um it was cool. I played it for like an hour, so I got a little taste of it, it was neat. But Stronghold Warlords, I'm excited about, uh, a little afraid to be excited about it uh, because Stronghold 2 and 3 were awful, but I love Stronghold Crusader, and I love Stronghold 1. I grew up playing those. Well, grew up, I don't know how old I was, but like, I would play those a lot, and my sister and I would have land parties at my house and like, play that game. Hey, Ian.
0: Uh, Ian. Huh? Still young at heart, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: but yeah, so Stronghold, if you don't know, they're uh, sp- uh, castle building RTSs, real time strategy games. Um, and they've always been sort of niche, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Crusader was a little faster, a little more action based. Stronghold 1 was a little more sim esque, but it's never been like super heavy into that. Uh, Stronghold Warlords takes place in uh, uh, China, I think. Mm. Um, And it, um, yeah, it focuses on some of the weaponry and design philosophies of I don't know what era, but of that sort of stuff. I played a preview build, which I guess was from PAX East or something. Um, It was really funny on my computer because I've got this dumbass monitor that's super (laughs) ultra wide. And uh, it's a demo, so it doesn't have settings. So even though I set my windows to be 1080, it would still just fill my entire screen. And so like the top and bottom were kind of cut off and everything was like spread out. It didn't like stretch it, but everything was spread out weird. And it was clear that it wasn't supposed to be happening that way. and some of the ai was a little you know it was definitely like an early build um but what i love about it is it seems like they're going back to basics a little bit with some of the stuff that was great about one and crusader and taking out some of the stuff that sucked from two and three like uh you can you still have like a build range but it seemed a little less terrible and hmm. the walls the way you can build walls is a lot more structured you can build like half of the outer half of the wall and you can make the middle as wide as you want and then put the other half there destructibility stuff is simulated better um yeah but in the short taste that i played it was cool you got to interface with warlords that were other npcs they're sort of like city states in civ um if you've played civ where they're kind of like a little feudal lord over there and you can i think through diplomacy or or combat take them over i just beat them in combat and took them over but uh then you can you can they're like your vassal then and so you can have them like send a horse army at the enemy like you Hmm. click on the map and you spend like warlord points or what have you and send you spend like 50 warlord points and be like attack these guys with your horse army and you attack them with your siege weapons and try to break this wall down be careful uh the siege weapons do not discriminate uh i blew up one of my own armies (laughs) Uh Uh, with that thing it it, like just targeted the wall and uh blew up some of my guys uh but it was a lot of fun and it, it seems like a return to form i'm hoping I was really hopeful for Strongholds 2 and 3 and was kind of disappointed. Um, And maybe people modded it to make it more like the old ones. I don't know. But yeah, I've always loved this series, even through its faults. I even played Stronghold Kingdoms, which is their weird online ongoing one that's not very good. Um, But this one's got promise and I'm excited about it. Do you
0: think it will resonate with people who have no experience with Stronghold?
2: Yeah, hopefully, um, it the basics of RTSs are there, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they're refined and uh, modern, you know, to modern standards, it remains to be seen when the game comes out. But uh, yeah, my hope is that it's a game that can stand on its own two feet and serve well for the stronghold nostalgia laden players like myself how
0: how's it holding Uh, up visually
2: uh it's not gorgeous but it wasn't hideous Uh, and it was a demo build and i was playing it on a weird uh monitor (laughs) so um yeah i took the gamble with the ultra super ultra wide monitor and it doesn't pay off all the time but
0: uh i desperately need a new pc monitor man
2: yeah i'm lighting myself with my monitor right now I just have two notepads open on either side <laughs> of my face. Blam. Don't need to buy a light. But, uh, yeah, so it looks fine. I mean, like, the, the the series has never been, like, gorgeous. I like the way it looks. It kind of just looks classic. Um, yeah, so to me, it ran pretty well,
0: and it looked good. So, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um. When is it supposed to be coming out? I know you mentioned that this was a demo thing, but is it just like Dunno. we're working on it? Here's what we've got so far. We'll see you later. Yeah. Okay.
2: They uh, they actually, their website and community management stuff is really, really good. Oh, they nice. have a
0: lot of really, really good videos
2: and stuff about the process. They've been pretty open about, they know that 2 and 3 weren't great. Um, even when I, I actually met them at E3 and had a demo of this game. Yeah. Uh, and you can look back at our E3 content to hear me talk about it back then too, um, but but uh, I even said like I love this series. I always have two and three were bad, uh, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> we know.
1: It's funny. the the last The last email they sent me was about uh, medieval rocket launchers.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> this one has that. This one has apparently some of the stuff was real and some of it they've heightened a little bit. But like a cow that you like set on fire and it runs and stuff and then it blows up when it gets there. It's like of nutcase nutcase old warfare stuff. I and mean, it's like gnarly medieval warfare. Check this out. In in uh, the old stronghold, I believe you could you could her- catapult a cow into someone's castle and give everyone like the plague. That sounds uh, cool. Yeah, like noxious fumes would come out and yeah. So uh, PETA is going to love this game uh blowing up an ox i w-
1: it doesn't say anything about a release date yeah
2: no i don't think they know i think it's it's they're kind of an independent you know what is it firefly right uh, yeah firefly they're gonna it's gonna be done when it's done I, definitely there some work needs to be done still but i am I'm, I'm positive on it that's good what were you gonna say sorry no it's okay
0: um i feel like if you're feeling positive about it in early stage you know you're you're a tough cookie you'll you'll let them know if it's yeah. not good uh, but I, I love it when creators of anything, really, not just games, can be like, yeah, we, we fucked up there. Like, that was not our yeah. best moment. Because I, I think that's yeah. healthy, right? Like that, yeah. if you don't treat everything so precious, uh, it will allow you to to go on and make better stuff. Um, yeah. Ian, tell me about this this hot off the presses, everybody's jumping up and down Mario Maker 2 update.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I I just jumped into it today. My experience is limited. I did string together uh, five of my levels that I had previously made into world one. Uh, So you can have eight worlds and uh, each world... I thought each world could have eight levels, but it limited me to four uh, plus a castle. So five... Oh, I know why they said eight. Okay, so you can have five of your own levels and three toad houses. Mm. So eight courses like that. Gotcha. I was hopeful that it was eight of your own courses and maybe this changes on world two or something, but that was how it was laid out here. I had one for the castle, four for the map, and you can do up to three toad houses and a pipe. Uh, So I made a little map here. I could even, uh, for visual viewers, I could show you the map that I made uh, but yeah it the map making pretty intuitive there are a few things that I wish they did a little differently like there's a grass uh, button and if you lay down a piece of grass without a trail on it and then you want to put a trail on it you have there to de- you have to delete the grass and then put the trail piece that you want you can't just put the trail piece on top of the, the grass that's already there which, which seems very strange. But I mean, whatever. So yeah, you can do bridges. You can do land pieces. You can decorate with like little oops, little mountains. You can do the up the uppy mountains, and put like a toad house or a level up there. Uh, I have a pipe warping over here, you know, just for a little interest. You can make choices. The paths can diverge. Um, just classic Mario map stuff, overworld map stuff. How are? How um, is
0: anyone? who had experience with it, like, how are you not just immediately filled with the warmest nostalgia upon seeing a Super Mario world map overworld map, you know,
2: maximum good vibes, maximum good vibes, maximum, 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 maximum. And it has, it has, uh, the, I think three choices of toad house. There's your standard match, match the thing to get, you know, it's the star, the mushroom, the fire flower, match it, get an X amount of lives thing. And then they have two new ones. I haven't tried the baseball one yet, but there's one where you like pump up the balloon and it pops and gives you something. Hmm. And then there's a baseball minigame too. And apparently those two are both new for this. Um, and then it added uh, the Coop, coop uh, what are they called? Koopalings. Yeah. Uh, Ig- Ludwig and all those guys are in there in the 2D modes. Maybe Mario U as well, whatever. Not 3D World. Uh, and then 3d world added a whole bunch of blocks, um, and like wearables, like, uh, propeller block head and like, uh, bullet bill head and stuff. (laughs) Um, which I haven't, I haven't messed with that yet or the frog suit yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to doing so. Yeah. My first world like that
1: Mario two mushroom sounds crazy too.
2: Yeah. Uh, I just love this game to pieces and i think that they have done a really cool job with it the previous update and this update it really makes it a full package and uh so the i guess the the thing i didn't know until you got it or until i got it was um you can only have one world uploaded at a time you can you can i think save over it so like if you because the way they phrased it is like you can have one super world uploaded at a time but you can add up to eight worlds to your super world so uh what i what i gathered from that is i could upload my world one right now and that would be super lilia world you know because i think they put your your username in the middle and then if i later added in worlds two and three i could just save over it and it would upload it and that would be my world but it, mm-hmm. basically you get one you get one mario game you can make um and you overwrite it i guess every time you upload mm-hmm. it so just be cognizant of that, I guess. Interesting. Um, yeah, and they have to be all levels that you made or were made on your Switch. You can't like, because at first I was hoping like, oh, Don and I could like collaborate, take yeah. turns, and like really put nice, one of his levels on there. Actually, I'm I'm pretty sure that's not the case, uh, or that you can't do that. Um, I didn't actually try. Let me just look and see. I can change this level right now. Um, no, yeah, it only lets you see because you know how in CourseBot you've got downloaded courses and your my courses, um, it only shows you the my courses page. So it's got only it. levels that you made
0: or were made on your switch. Um but yeah, it, it's cool. Ian, do you think if this update had come out sometime last year that it that it would have given Mario Maker 2 more prominence in our game of the year discussions? That that was the first
2: thing I thought. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. <laughs> do you, <laughs> Ben
0: Moore? <laughs> do you feel some bitterness in that?
2: No, no, I'm I'm long past. Okay. Bitterness, you know.
0: Okay. Well, you can't have bitterness. I feel like I'm in a, when, a rough when, spot with Murray Maker too, because like you know, you and Don are these great level makers, and like I just haven't really put in the time to develop those skills mm-hmm. and. You know, I got all these other games to play, and it's like this sounds amazing, but I just kind of feel a little bit of intimidation. Uh, jumping. I would say
2: Don is a great level maker. I just kind of throw no things. Oh, you. <laughs> I just go for no it. Oh, you. But um, uh, he he definitely puts in a lot more time mm. than I do. But um, well, that's kind of the beauty of Mario Maker, right? Is like you can get Kaizo with it and like go nutcase about it, or do like a Dawn thing and super design everything, or you can do what I do and just kind of like sit down a few times and try stuff out and have fun. You know, like what I like about it.
1: Could you make the Fiona, Fiona Apple album in Mario Maker 2?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we have to try. (laughs) (laughs) It does have music blocks. I don't know how to do that, but uh, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, oh man, you could. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you could. In this Mario Maker level, we bring down the patriarchy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we dismantle our ex-boyfriends, and then our dogs start barking. Uh, Alright, now I want
0: this, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a dog effect, I think. Yeah. Um, oh man, that's funny. But yeah, it. Uh, the cool thing with this is it kind of gives you incentive to make a difficulty ramp, you know what I mean? It gives you incentive to uh, make like an easy level and then a medium level and then a hard level and make a world out of it and maybe tell like a progressive story. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't wait to see the kind of stuff people do. I can't wait to see what Don does with this. Um, Yeah, it's a really fun update and I'm really happy they did it. Sad that they're calling it the final update.
1: Right. Oh yeah, Nintendo seems to do that a lot.
2: They love just saying, this is it. (laughs)
1: This is it. Game's done now. Like <laughs> Why? You don't have to be done. Yeah. Although... Um, Just
2: don't tell us.
1: <laughs> Splatoon is getting, like, special Splatfest back Oh. now. They were done with those. I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're bringing it back. I'm like, okay.
2: I think a neighbor is, like, singing or something. Very weird.
1: Oh,
0: I think nice. I heard that neighbor singing about this. Otake! Oh! <laughs> It's unfortunately a little bit delayed with the Zoom. The
3: the, <laughs> the, the
0: the Hotake, I think, suffers a bit, but it's all right. Um, Maybe on our local report what, what if, that,
1: what if the earthquake outside. the other night had happened during the Hotake? How crazy would that Aww.
0: be? That has happened before. Ian was on that episode where we had an earthquake that happen. Was, yeah. During a Hotake. It was very bizarre. Uh, I don't remember what episode remember it was. That. But um, for this- Everything o- just started, it was back in the studio. Remember the studio? <laughs> How's that place doing? Remember Sunshine?
2: Uh, Oh, I should get a, we should get, we should get images of our studio and put them behind ourselves. Just be like, we're (laughs) back! And get like, figure out what order we're in and then like put the slightly offset, you know, so that it completes the picture. We should really
0: (laughs) fuck with people and get images of the Defy office and put it behind (laughs) us. (laughs) We're back! We're back! Um, for this talk, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, I was inspired by the reaction that I've seen to not only Final Fantasy 7 but I think just recently, like Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, are all very good examples of this. Things that games that um, tend to really dominate social media or or feel oh, sure. very shareable in a way that I think kind of injects even more life into them than they would have if these different platforms didn't exist, right? Um like yeah. and I'm not saying that in like a, a way that, in a, like a condescending way. I really enjoy it. I love seeing some of these things. Like people have made incredible like Animal Crossing jokes or Fire Emblem jokes or seeing Everyone lose their collective horny minds over Aerith and Tifa or Jesse in Five Seven Remake has been hilarious. It's been great. I love it. Um, but I think it really has added to the conversation in a way that is kind of like interesting to think about. And so I guess I just kind of want to get your commentary from both of you on on that whole experience, how you engage with it, how you appreciate it, or if you don't appreciate it. And I think maybe more specifically, do you think that is influencing games on a creative level? Do you think that sort of shareability and mm-hmm. that sort of discussion is influencing in any way the kind of decisions being made about these games or these series?
1: Um. Well, yeah. Well, I don't think there's a day go by that I haven't shared an Animal Crossing screenshot or video of some form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it's weird because it's... It's not like, you know, because it you, you can kind of see, like, a speedrunner or a competitive person or even, like, a Mario Maker level, like, you know, there, there's a certain sense of, like, here's, like, not quite bragging, but, like, here's this cool thing that I did. Whereas Animal Crossing, it's almost like, here's just this moment, like, I, I just want you to experience this moment that I experienced, mm. you know? Um, and... And I honestly like for a while now I, I've really felt like that that share button, you know, or capture button or whatever it's you know called on Xbox, that is been like the game changer of this generation. Yeah. You know, like that has just made it completely seamless. You hit that button, you type your treat real quick, and then you go back to your game. Uh, or you know, if uh you know if you're not a professional streamer, then like you hit that button, you start streaming, and there you go, you know, and, and you're sharing your game with your friends. And it's just made such a huge change in in the the landscape. And you know, Twitch it goes right along with that. You know, you know, it's yeah, not everybody's using a share button to get onto Twitch, but it's all part of that same part. It's all part of like sharing your gameplay experience with other people and and upending like how people think about things like copyright systems. and It's like, okay, but this is somebody else's art <laughs> the, right. that you're broadcasting and making money off of, but it seems unfair for anyone to shut you down for doing that.
2: Um, and I mean, it's free advertising, so they,
0: <laughs> most of the time, like it. I just want to say really, really quickly uh, that I think... <clears throat> kind of this discussion that we're having about shareability and social media and stuff in games. I think this is something that we've definitely talked on Frametrap before in, in different ways, but I just think with 7 Remake and seeing the reaction to it, it made it interesting and relevant to me again, and so I wanted to throw it to the panel. Well, it's something that, uh, like
2: Bloodworth was saying, the share button, and I think photo modes in games is something mm-hmm. that's risen to prominence it's almost a necessity nowadays i mean like animal crossing has it you know with even like filters and stuff um i'm actually kind of surprised final fantasy doesn't have one well Um, sometimes they add them later i think i've heard that yeah they'll probably add it later but like there are some times where i'm like man i would take a i would take a screenshot here uh and i did take several but uh yeah yeah i love that like setting up a, a funny shot in animal crossing and tweeting it you know uh, it's just jolly vibes and Animal Crossing what? is the perfect social media game because it's it just is Instagram like it's look at look at my cool stuff look at my cool life the game mm-hmm. so yeah it it is a social media platform of it's own kind of Animal Crossing like people are going to each other's islands I went over to Sophia's Island and she was having a cataloging party where everyone oh, sure. had a quadrant and you just dump all your cool stuff in a place. Everyone picks it up and then drops it again to get it in their catalog so that you can order it, you know. It's interesting
0: uh, Yeah, tracking, like, how technology has changed through a specific series because, like, even Animal Crossing, um, like, in New Leaf, I feel like I definitely messed around with turnips, but I messed around with it on a much smaller scale where, like, I would just come into the office, I feel like, and interact with, like, you guys or, like, my immediate friends, whereas now, it's, like, I'm jumping into Twitch chat and seeing prices. I'm hopping on Discord and seeing prices. And so I feel like I have this <laughs> I feel like some right. sort of like worldwide mafia websites. boss. Yeah. yeah. There are external websites
2: called Nukazon and like the monitor and distribute dodo codes. <laughs> right. And
0: I, I know people have gone broader with Animal Crossing before, but just based on my own personal perspective, I feel like it indicates how much more indebted into different platforms and communication. I am now than I was when I was playing New Leaf.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have had that social expansion from one game to the next, right? So, like, you know, the first game, like, you could only go to another person's town, you know, by having their memory card in the other slot. So, you know, it was very limited to, like, okay, I'm going to go over to your house and we're going to visit each other's towns. Um, And then the DS game... Uh, you know that was online for the first time and so you know it was my close friends and we were going back and forth to each other's towns and then 3ds i was you know in this facebook group of people and so i was meeting people that were playing animal crossing but it's still really just like the people at work and the people in that specific group and now it's just it's just like yeah like you're saying like when turnips happen you know it could be anyone from chat or discord or, or whatever you know i i don't try to get into like anyone that's like tweeting out a dodo code i'm like all right i'm going to back off cuz it's going to get crazy
2: oh it's going to be so <laughs> annoying yeah <laughs>
1: because the way that you go into towns is like the worst part about yes, that game yes
0: it's yeah. awful <laughs> so bad <laughs> um but i think do you do you, based on how people are talking about games and how that's changed over time do you feel like that is being catered to at all? And if you do think it's being catered to, do you think it's being done in a positive or negative way? Or do you think that's, that's maybe not as as being thought about as much as I'm theorizing?
1: It's definitely being catered to. And, uh, you know, I, I think photo modes are a, a very clear indicator, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think, you know, we saw that pretty early in the generation with like infamous second son, uh, when they added it. And and then you just started seeing people like do amazing things with them. Like you, you see people make these screenshots and you're just like, you know, I think even the developers some, are sometimes like, how did you pull this off?
2: Yeah. Some of those God and, of War ones were like, whoa.
1: <laughs> right. But, but I think that's the thing is like, you see the success of that and you see, you know, from a marketing standpoint, like, like to Ian's point, when you see these people take these tools and do things with them that are better than any official screenshot in a press pack, then, like, y- yes, like, invest in making this something that people will have access to because it's going to make your game look really mm-hmm. good, you know? Yeah. Like, not just from a marketing standpoint, but from an aesthetic standpoint.
2: Well, and especially, like, I mean, New Leaf... New Leaf is its zeitgeist, you know, like, or uh, New Horizons, I New mean, Horizons. Animal Crossing, like Animal Crossing games, the zeitgeist is like part and parcel with the experience of playing that game, the hype, and and it needs a certain volume of, of player base, you know, to function the way it's meant to. And so, yeah, they, they want you to take their thing and run with it. And what I think is funny with New Horizons is it's very modern in a lot of its writing too like cj pops to mind like he's doing live streams and tweeting out basically to his followers yeah. like instagram or whatever about all these fish and like he calls you Easta and like wants you to come up with an angler sona and it's it's like it's making jokes about social media while it's self-encouraging right. you to use social media. Well, you know, and then and like, it's
0: jokes about social media will prompt people to share those jokes on social media. Yeah. And so it's like this. burrows baby.
2: Yeah. The snake has eaten its own tail. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it's really fun. And Animal Crossing does it in a very smart way where it's all kind of just integrated Uh, in its, in its own very Nintendo way, like you said, like traveling to people's islands is so tedious, but when you get there, it's great.
0: (laughs) It's really interesting because, uh, I've seen some people who are like, I don't like animal crossing. This isn't my thing, but everyone is talking about it. And so I just bought it. And I, I think that is really (laughs) powerful and interesting as well, that, that. Where Especially, I think, during something like a quarantine, where maybe you're turning to social media even more than your own immediate circles, um, is games creating that sense of FOMO. Where, like, the primary drive of why you're getting it is because it's such a hot hot topic of conversation. Which, like, of course, that's always been a thing, but I think it is different and more directed now, for sure. One, it's,
2: I mean, like, some of my favorite games, obviously, Souls games. Like, you see someone doing some crazy build in a video that they did, or showing some secret for the first time that you hadn't seen, you know, and it's all just part of that engine that keeps you, keeps a game in your mind and keeps you going back to it. Right. And yes, sells copies, <laughs> even if it's at gunpoint. It feels like societal right. gunpoint. Like, it makes me think of those comments, Bloodworth, that we get on the channel sometimes, where like, Oh, games I feel like there was a game sleuth that this happened with where like there were several comments where like someone was like, Fine, I watched it YouTube. Stop recommending this video to me. Like, ah (laughs) like YouTube just kept (laughs) telling them to watch this and they're like, get away from
0: me. But hey, good video, you know? (laughs) I think the number one thing that I fear is as much as I adore Animal Crossing or like the, the discussion that Final Fantasy VII Remake has caused or the discussion that, like, Three Houses has caused, um, I, I hope it doesn't get, like, so overwhelming that it kind of, like, pushes other things out. So, like, a good example of this is, like, Metro Exodus, where I don't I don't think Metro Exodus is a very shareable game. It tells a very complete story. It tells a story that you don't really want to spoil, and so there are things, like, you don't want to get into. Right. But uh, there's, there's not, like, really there aren't moments that those other games that I've s- said where like you, you would make social posts about, so it doesn't lend itself as well to that, but I do think it is a great game and I think it is very much worth experiencing, but it's one that can feel maybe hard to share. But I think just because something is hard to share, I, I don't want that to get like thrown to the wayside, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and it's weird too, like final fantasy again, even square, overshared like I was that launch trailer oh oh my god yeah it showed everything and like uh Mm -hmm. their website like the stills they've got late game stuff in there. like I don't want to see what Cloud's dress looks like before I play this game you know like I don't want to see that Mm -hmm. like like yeah I know what characters are in Final Fantasy 7 I don't want to know if they're in this part Mm -hmm. I don't want to know what they look like why are you showing them like it's crazy to me so It's really weird because they're really sensitive about spoilers, but also spoiling the hell out of their own thing. Uh, Yeah. And then it's funny, the entire last part of the game, it won't let you screenshot or record or share. Which in itself Uh, is kind of
0: frustrating when that happens. And you're playing your game and your PS4 is like, you can't record this shit. And it's like, okay, well, now I know something is coming. And of course, that's that's usually pretty obvious considering the context of what is going on. But right. the the warning feels, like, egregious in a way that it doesn't need to be, you know? Well, it's
2: yeah, it's like, it should tell you if you try. Yes. Like, if you try yes. to record it, it should say, you know... I mean, I guess the way the PS4 works, it has to be, like, recording paused or whatever, because it's always recording, whatever. But right. yes, I agree, it's, it's too brazen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I do hope that there's nothing... No funny business that happens on the next gen consoles with the new HDMI protocols and stuff. Oh, yeah. don't have to makes, flip HDCP you know, on or off well, or that you know like this it's like, oh, we're gonna take turn HDCP on for a cutscene mm. or something yeah. ridiculous or you know. just
2: you can't turn it off or is it, yeah yeah we need to turn it off for our job, Sony.
0: Well, but then it's like, well, now I want to watch Netflix, so I got to go into the settings. You know, real real first word world problems here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's like
2: zeroth world problems. Yeah. But,
0: <laughs> not so the thing that you kind of complain about and then you immediately feel bad for complaining about, <laughs> for sure. Um, are we ready for some emails? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some emails? emails? Hey, that was nice. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> uh, first. Email comes in from Jared. I really like this question, or really what what this person is saying. The pandemic is giving Ben the opportunity he always wanted. A few years ago, I remember the Allies were speaking at a particular period of time when there was an unusually high amount of games being released. Ben said he would appreciate it if there was a year when publishers decided that no games would come out and everyone would have the opportunity <laughs> to dedicate a year to their backlogs. I remember you saying that. Uh, yeah, I, I've said it a lot. Uh, although games are still coming out this year, the amount is clearly much lower and the droughts may get worse, giving us somewhat of the scenario Ben wanted. Allies, what will you dedicate this time to? What are those games or DLCs that you've been eternally entrenched in your backlogs? There is no Cyberpunk or Last of Us to distract you this time. Uh, will you use this golden opportunity to polish up some forgetting gems and truly let them shine?
1: I mean, I just played 57 games I've never played before. <laughs> Um, <laughs>
2: Mic drop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Turbo Graphic sixteen. There it is. Um, but yeah, I, I I actually don't feel like I'm quite there yet. I think June is gonna be that pretty hardcore. Yeah. Yeah.
2: because um, it, f- it feels like like so many games just came out. I feel like I just like f- finishing Final Fantasy seven felt like catching
0: up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so. I I agree with both of you so much. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think we will get there. Um, Yeah. uh, For me, I've been using it... So I feel like I've been talking about getting back into Final Fantasy XIV for like two years, and I've actually been playing (laughs) more of it than I have been the last couple of times I've tried to revisit it. So I'm trying to dip back into that, immensely enjoy it. But I think... Again, we're not there yet, but I I hope to eventually turn into uh, more so than like catching up on games and like anime and stuff. What I'm excited for is to hopefully, you know, this is not a promise, but a desire to use this opportunity to cover things or do content on things that maybe we wouldn't have time to before. You know, just uh, I think you blood doing a don't skip on the turbo graphics is a great example of that. To, even though it just came out, you know, I think, it but I think it's kind of what I'm speaking to. Well, has it? This <laughs> is the question. Right. Is it out? <laughs> right. But the the spirit of what I'm trying to say is like, yeah. I've got some ideas kicking around in my brain and it's like, well, if, if things continue this way, I might actually have the opportunity to execute on some of those ideas. So that to me is way more exciting than just like clearing stuff off the black backlog, even though that's nice too. It's nice dipping back into Final Fantasy 14.
2: For me, as far as video games go, I want to finally get to that Goat Boys expansion for Vermintide Two. I want to finish Manifold Garden, probably. I want to, oh yeah. I want to get more Neo Two in because I stopped playing Neo Two to play Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy. I really love Neo Two. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think I like it. It's funny. I like Final Fantasy probably the least of the allies. Still good, still good. Uh, and I like Neo Two probably the most.
3: Oh, I don't know about um, that
2: i really like it i don't know you you were you i don't know well i yeah i don't i don't know how you feel about it yet really in, in full but yeah. uh i really like it a lot um there are some things i like about it more than sekiro uh which seems extreme to say there are some things that but, i like
0: about it more than sekiro not oh, not okay. many I, I mean i i definitely like sekiro i think substantially more but yeah i i see where you're coming from with that statement for sure
2: yeah yeah um But yeah, I'm excited to get back into Neo 2. If my PlayStation isn't broken, my PlayStation 4 has been like falling apart piece by piece the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Um, Yeah, Mario Maker 2. But mostly what I'm excited for uh, now that my like burden of job games are completed for right now uh, is watching some more movies. Mm. I feel like I haven't watched movies in a while. I subscribed to Criterion channel, and I've only used it twice. Uh, <laughs> Got to make some more music, too. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
0: It's a good feeling. Thank you for the question. I really like that one. Um, next one comes in from, wait. The, the, these are both these are from two different Jareds. <laughs> so, other oh. Jared asks, hello, allies. I hope you are all well, despite the very crazy times we find ourselves in. Uh, So I have a story and then a question. Recently, my mother-in-law was FaceTiming my kids, and during the conversation, she asked what daddy was doing to my son, and he replied, playing video games. My mother-in-law, not knowing that I was an earshot, made a snide remark, something to the effect of, is that all he ever does? She went on to say to my son, don't you want to do something else for fun? Now, I'm not saying this to try to paint her in an negative of light. However, it got me thinking about the stereotypes against gamers and how it's not viewed by many as a respectable hobby in the same way as things like sports, movies, and countless other hobbies and recreational activities are. So my question is, do you think gamers still face this type of behavior? If so, will this passion of ours ever be, ever be perceived differently by the masses? we would really like to hear your perspective on this, as I'm sure you can relate in some way. I often find
2: myself wondering what people who don't play video games do because like to me if the choice is like playing video games or just sitting there watching bbt (laughs) it's like well at least a video game is like active bbt is literally destroying your mind yeah
0: i was gonna say mind (laughs) mind Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. so yeah but i mean like live how you want to live you know do whatever you want
0: (laughs) This, this question is actually hard for me to grapple with because um, while I don't disagree that there's probably some negative perceptions depending on where you're at, it's so much better than it used to be. Like I, 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 yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think it is hard to deny that games as a whole are just way more pervasive in day-to-day life and accepted than they used to be. And so I think just kind of seeing that sea change over time, it's hard to feel like that's a common thing. And I feel like people are less and less embarrassed by um, yeah. games. I, I would say that, yeah, any, any
2: like the mother-in-law, not to pile on the mother-in-law in this story, uh, but like an opinion like that is just not founded on a full knowledge uh there's a bit of ignorance there because like from almost any angle you look at it video gaming is worthwhile you know like Mm -hmm. it's an artistic endeavor it's massively successful business endeavor uh so like you know sure if if there's someone who's playing video games to a problematic extent where they're like never moving yeah there's a concern there but like i think by and large that's not how people are digesting video games and so like yeah it's not really anything to shake a stick at and i think that that like you said that is fading with time that stigma
1: i think one thing um that i've thought about sometimes and i, don't, I really don't get much of this too much anymore um but one thing that i i've come across with relatives sometimes is that like you get together with people or you see people in like very like limited, specific windows of their lives, right? Mm. And so like when I was home for Christmas, like I was playing Death Stranding like a crazy person, right? <laughs> like I was up till five or six in the morning every night and um, you know, it was just constant and it could be really easy for like my mom or my brother to assume that like, oh, that's just what my life is like. I'm like, I don't get to play this much video games on a regular day-to-day basis. It's like, I'm on vacation right now. <laughs> That's great. So it's... <laughs> and even that, it's like, I, you know, I'm try to be mindful a lot of the time of like, well, when other people are awake, then, you know, I'm going to do something else. And so I was like, I'm playing like this because like, this is the time that I can play is like in the middle of the night when I'm, you know, not going to be doing other things or there's not going to be, you know, toddlers in the house or whatever.
0: Yeah. The funny thing that always happens to me with relatives uh, is I don't talk to them very much. And then when I do, they seem to forget what I do. And they just assume that I make video games. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't. Don't make games. When we
2: worked at game trailers, I had to explain every single time that we don't make game trailers. Yeah. I can Uh, see that
0: confusion, though.
2: Yeah, that confusion was very easy. And then eventually I was just like, yeah, yeah, kind of. (laughs) Yep. yes explaining my job now is even more nebulous i'm just like yeah we make videos and stuff eh. right. yes i am
0: mostly I, about video games i am responsible for the seven remake yes that was me i did that. yeah <laughs> that was that
2: was us yeah
0: um our last email uh and this is a a nice contentious one i think to end it off with is uh from john he says hi allies it has been six months since the huge outcry about blizzard banning blitz shown from hearthstone As many know, there were calls for protesting Blizzard at this year's BlizzCon, which eventually led to an apology that was deemed by many to be fairly weak. Since then, business has gone pretty much back to normal, with many returning to play Blizzard games and forgetting about the whole incident. Another instance was the report of sexual harassment at Riot Games that happened last year as well. It led to restructuring, supposedly, but little else has been said about it, and many remain excited for their upcoming games. This leads to my question. How can companies be held responsible for their issues when the public eye quickly turns to whatever else soon starts trending? It seems almost impossible for legitimate protests against companies to have long-term effects when everyone moves on in the blink of an eye. Much love and thank you for your Riot support.
1: had a huge payout, didn't they?
2: They definitely had to Like, do... that's
1: still ongoing. Yeah. I think sometimes some of those consequences just aren't in the public eye. Like, even with, like, Blizzard, like... Um, i I think just a lot of that stuff is just things that we're not going to be privy to what actually went on behind the scenes
2: it's it's a funny thing because it's like i was just thinking i'm like have i played a blizzard game since that happened probably not but i wasn't playing them like for a while before that either (laughs) so it's just incidental you know i still like diablo 3 uh but like yeah it's a weird one like the way they reacted about the china stuff was just so wrong and like it's funny because it's like well yeah obviously they want to get into china it's a huge market and if they could if they could get into asian markets the american market would like be meaningless basically if they were if they had any foothold there because it's just a way bigger market uh and riot you know like they're huge in asian markets and america is like three or something percent if that or something you know like not a huge i don't know the actual figures but not a huge margin of their you know bottom line uh but yeah it, it is funny because everything just moves on so fast and the world we live in right now like you know they say the 24-hour news cycle changed everything but now it's like it's like the 25 minute news cycle i feel like some of these days where it's just like things it's day-to-day, hour-to-hour, things change. I
1: don't know, man. Sometimes I wish the 25 minutes people would move on. Wow. This cable news will harp on the oh, same yeah. stupid well, quote all day.
2: That's because it's all just, like, they got to make money. But, like, yeah, it's weird. There's no real answer to it. I don't know. Like, the populace, the general public, I don't think, cares about most stuff. Like, they don't care about the sexual harassment at riot they don't care about what blizzard does with china they just want to play their games that they like like Mm -hmm. a a percentage probably doesn't even hear about it because they don't care to the extent that they just play league and they don't read the news about it you know unless it's like a character announcement or something if that uh yeah so i think like there's always going to be a backlash you're going to lose some people you know but it, like a company, a company that like Blizzard would have to do something crazy. Like you see like a Harvey Weinstein or a or a uh, Kevin Spacey, you know, like they get hard canceled and they're gone forever and like go to jail, thankfully, in some cases. And it's like, yeah, but like, I don't know what Blizzard would have to do to be canceled to that extent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what they would have to do. Probably well, you're, you're talking about individuals
0: and in their actions versus companies and their actions. And I do that's think what I mean that is, is a different like, thing.
3: Yeah.
2: Well no, but I think that's that's what this question is kind of saying, like, what do you expect, I guess, is my answer to the to the question. Right. It's like that the, the example of these individuals being completely cancelled, gone forever, donezo, like that's not gonna happen with a company that makes video games i don't think unless they did something so egregious or went out of business that they went out of you know
1: well you know and mean? in a way too like you are generalizing to a huge extent because the company didn't do this right you know, like the the company was also victims of what the company right. did like it's you know it's uh, there are individuals within that and you only talk about it in terms of riot games or blizzard because you you don't have much more information to go off of right and you don't know these people you know from anyone else so
2: and in the cases when it is like a a human being at a company like they get fired most of the time you know so like then the company can recover um but in the yeah in the blizzard case it was kind of a ne- in the riot case there's sort of a nebulous thing where it's like more of a widespread thing or a knee-jerk reaction by whoever we don't know and it's like okay then yeah the only face we can put on this is the company name and the 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 player base of these companies and the companies themselves are so huge that like no no event of even these magnitudes which were not insignificant will like are likely to impact them in the in the long run i think in the public eye
0: my, my perspective on this has definitely changed and evolved uh since our initial conversation about um blizzard and the blitz chunk stuff and it's definitely made me question my own role as a commentator and what i should say and when and i think i think you have to be very careful because I do think this stuff is important to comment on and give an informed opinion about, and to be honest about. But at the same time, and I think our industry can be very guilty about this. Sometimes you you, you don't really want to make it about you versus the issue, right? Right. And so, yeah. like, I have no interest in being a moral arbiter. That's not that's not my job. And I, I pers- or a political scientist, right? Or like, right. I'm. I'm or not a theorist. Like I don't care. I don't want to. I, I have no interest in showing up every week and wagging my finger and telling you how to live your life or how to feel about something. That is. That is. Then. It, then it's becoming about me. Then it's becoming about me being like I'm right, you're wrong, and I think that is very condescending and pretentious. And so sometimes I have very strong opinions on it, but I think. At the same time, you you sort of have to navigate these waters where you recognize that this is a problem and you don't like it, but you're also I, I think removing your own feelings from it sometimes, where it's like, I can't, I'm going to cover this thing and I can't expect you to feel exactly how I feel about it. Right. 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 Like I'm giving you information that is about the product, not necessarily about the decisions that came behind it. And I do think it's important to talk about those decisions, but I think there can be a clear differentiation between the the two. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think as a company and as people who do commentate on video game news in the industry, I think it is important to give our opinion, but I think if we obsess over something too much or go on for something for too long, I think then it becomes about us and not the issue. You know, sometimes I think an issue will happen, we'll say our piece on it, and then we'll move on because we don't want to force it or we don't want to just come across like, hey, guys, we're right, right? You know, like that, that, that doesn't read well to me.
2: And it's just like in, in your everyday life too, like anyone, like if you personally have a stake in something or feel a certain way about something, you should express that. And, and you can try to, you know, you can express that to your friends and family in a way that maybe, uh, you know, not even with the expectation of conversion of like getting them on your side or whatever, but just say like oh, yeah, I'm not going to buy that Blizzard game because they did this shady thing and whatever. Um, You know, and then, like, that's what you have control over. Like, even us as Easy Allies, like, we can say what we think about these things. Right. uh, But, like, when I say things about, you know, an issue like this, you know, I'm not trying to, necessarily sway anyone or anything like that i'm just saying like yeah i think that's shady i'm not really sure how to handle it i don't know all the ins and outs but that's not great um and then like you have to extend that to like you can feel you can feel a a personal frustration that there is no change you know that, that blizzard suffers no consequence uh you can have that personal frustration but it's it's difficult to then not transfer that that uh, disappointment into like your peers or like the the, the people who didn't listen to you right. you know like like an example of like PETA putting out that article about don't don't like here's how you play Animal Crossing while being friendly to animals and and like you're like are you joking is this a joke or is this mm-hmm, for right. real you know I'm oh, sorry and like you know <laughs> it's funny because it's like PETA, as an example it's just like yeah i also want to protect animals or whatever but it's like you know there are extremes (laughs) you know there's protecting animals and then there's protecting animals uh and it's the same with kind of everything to different degrees you know what i mean
0: so i think a really good example that crystallizes this issue for me is randy pitchford in borderlands 3 yeah um (laughs) where if we are we, when we are talking specifically about Randy Pitchford I have personal feelings about it and I don't like things that have happened with what he's done based about what I've read in the news right I think yeah. you can have an evaluation of Borderlands 3 that is completely removed from that and right. I think what we're doing as critics is we are separating those things and Trust that you are making your own opinion. Like, I don't want to make your own opinion for you. What I imagine that you're doing as a consumer is you're taking commentary on Gearbox as a company and the evaluation of Borderlands 3, and you're arriving at your own decision with what you're comfortable with, right? Right. Um, And I, I do think you can separate those things, and I don't necessarily think a separation of those things is like cowardice or being afraid to speak or whatever. It's just like giving you information that you need to make a decision. And I think sometimes we also understand, I I think kind of a role in things like we will talk about things and we'll talk about contentious things. We'll talk about touchy subjects, but we're also not the ones who are going and doing interviews or coming up with scoops with things or that sort of thing. That's, that's not, a role that we have carved out for ourselves, you know, and you can be critical of that. uh, But sometimes I think we lean on other people's areas of expertise as opposed to our own, because we're not doing that work.
2: Well, and like, it comes into like the theory of critique, right? Where it's like, are you, are you judging something in a vacuum or are you, are you are you are you playing Borderlands Three and then writing a review of Borderlands Three, or are you playing Borderlands Three and then analyzing the socio political landscape in which <laughs> Borderlands Three came right. to be? And I think and commenting on that yeah. and it's like the review is for the game. Bitching about it on the podcast it can involve the socio political landscape if you want. Like they're they're different entities. They're different vehicles. Like. Yeah. If every Different review context, was like, yeah. Pitchford's a doink, like, it's like, who cares? Like, whatever. Right. Like, and it's, talk about the shotguns.
0: Right, 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 right. And I do think <laughs> it, 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 you do, as a, as a writer, you do have to kind of ask that of yourself sometimes, where it's like, if I'm saying Pitchford's a doink, am I really contributing <laughs> to this conversation in a meaningful way, or am I just saying something that everybody already knows?
2: <laughs> right, right. As sure. we all know, I mean, like, <laughs> uh, sh- should our. I mean, maybe it should. I don't know. But maybe, like, the Diablo 4 review in seven years when that comes out should be like, we may not always agree with Blizzard's yeah, but, business practices. But if you, but do, dang, if you do, this that, is a cool game. It just feels like, like
0: you're just doing that to cover your own ass. And you're it's just like, doing it to cover your own ass. You know yeah. what happened. Like, yeah.
2: Or you don't care. Or you and don't you care. Never cared. Or you don't care. Right. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, like, the thing that people forget also the flip side of all of this is like every word that every human being says or writes is their opinion. Mm -hmm. And like you have your own opinion and your own opinion extends into listening as well. Like when you're hearing someone else's opinion, you're taking that in with your own opinion. And it's like, if yours doesn't mesh with that other person's, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's just two different human beings doing their opinions. That's what we all do all the time.
0: Yeah, right. And I think it can be difficult depending on the the platform that you have. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I agree with the general sentiment. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for frame trap. Um, (laughs) I feel like this is one of those conversations where like, I don't, (laughs) I don't want to downplay the seriousness of these issues. Um, no, right. I don't, I don't want to say that the blizzard controversy was not important. It was important. I've, I I still have very strong feelings about it. I don't want to say that like sexual abuse scandals are at at, like riot or any other industry or even issues of crunch are not, not important. Um, but I think it is, I, I do think it is important. And what I'm trying to highlight in this specific email is how you talk about those things, how you present yourself, how you choose to present yourself, what you choose to make it about, how long you talk about those things, are also all very important decisions. So, well,
2: it's difficult. It's difficult too for me personally because it's like while I have my own moral ideologies and ideas about these things, they these events also make me feel like impotent because sure. I don't I don't know what I don't know how to tackle them. I don't often know how to feel, right? And I don't know what to say. And I certainly don't know how to fix them or how to address them. Right. Um, And it's like, like Bloodworth said, like. There are a lot of things that are going on behind the closed doors and things, you know, hopefully for on the in the aftermath of these things to make things better, too. Uh, And, you know, there are people who study this kind of stuff who don't always have the answers, you know, so it's just like we play video games for a living. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's hard because I think Easy Allies does um, bounce between so many different types of tones. Um, yeah, which yeah. which I think you kind of need to uh, in a way. But uh, yeah, it can it can create some dissonance for sure. I think that's gonna do it for French. Do narrative. That's gonna do it from Thank you so much. This was uh, an inspiriting conversation. Ian Hink and uh, Daniel Blubirth. Always fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Thanks for having us. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having power. Yeah. yeah, we had
0: a meeting earlier. And my power went out and it was awful, uh, but it didn't go out during this recording, which is awesome. Yeah, I was saying to Omar, I was
2: like, because I had this was on the schedule for seven and I was just like, I we might be shooting. Yeah. He, his power went out at three in the middle of our meeting and I haven't heard from him. Since. Yeah. We had to <laughs> shoot just this
0: podcast like an hour and a half later than we intended to. Yeah. It's, but it's 1140 p.m. Right. Oh, now. Jesus. I did not know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for French If you would like to write in, if you'd like us to mull over your question, uh, please email askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about us, we do a bunch of wonderful things. We're going to be doing a bunch of... More wonderful things, Uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we do, please go to patreon.com slash easy allies where you can consider supporting us. Patreon is something that we very much rely on to continue doing these things. Um, And so if you like what you hear, uh, please check that out. Also, uh, if you want to get uh, this wonderful podcast early as well as the Easy Allies podcast early, please consider uh, subscribing to the $5 tier where you can get this stuff a couple of days early. And uh, yeah, that'll just about do it until next time.